0: Welcome to GleeCast, the somewhat occasionally weekly home of Glee and casting. Here are your hosts, Emily and Erica. Happy Cinco de Mayo, Erica. Happy Seis de Mayo.
1: Como está yo to Cinco de Mayo.
0: No one parlos, sp- Spanish. Um, Something or another. <laughs> we should be clear because everyone thought we were recording last Thursday. Yeah, we lied totally lied um there's a little bit of a family emergency i got caught up in things and um we're recording on sunday now
1: yeah so deal with it people okay oh, god get off our backs
0: yeah i don't know why you, people are so pushy oh anyway so All right. a, a
1: cinco de mayo happened and it's over
0: is it it was also the kentucky derby
1: it was we are clearly recovering from that today i was fine i was did- i am fine actually i did not have a hangover that's good. Um, realizing right now that I have a bit of a scratchy throat, which I think just came from speaking when drunk, which always seems to happen.
0: Did you actually get drunk? How much longer did you stay?
1: No, I stayed over. I, oh. our, our friend, for, for the listeners out there, our friend Betsy always holds an annual Kentucky Derby party. And, yeah, no, I was steadily drinking from 4 p.m. till about 1.30 a.m. And I never really felt drunk.
0: Yeah, I didn't either. Like I, we were. I mean, we were drinking bourbon. It's not. We like were drinking mint
1: juleps, and yeah, we, we weren't drinking beer all day. We were drinking yeah. heavy stuff. Uh, even like some of the food was just cooked in but we have bourbon: hot dogs, which were delicious, bourbon balls, which are also delicious.
0: Yeah, I don't know, and I never really got drunk. I was yeah. just like, kind of like a little buzzed, kind of <laughs> mellow, and then I was sober, but it, I went home. <laughs> it was a good
1: time for us, uh, and I won seventy bucks. Yay, it did. I picked the right horse. I just saw the name, I'll have another, and thought, yes, I will be saying that later. Might as well put it my money there. And I did. and he came back from behind. and had a great win, and it was really exciting. But now, uh, we're gonna talk about glee. Yes, we are. Uh, I guess there is uh, – Did you have any other business to discuss before we talk about Glee? Um, no, we just usually address Smash. We do. And this week's episode of Smash, uh, they go to – the Had, again, was one of those episodes that was, like, taking some steps that I really liked. Like, I love the opening because they opened it up with Tom singing another opening another show. Mm-hmm. And it felt really Broadway. It felt like – because they – they, it was, it's a Broadway show tune, but they had, like, they threw in some of this notes to let maybe your star in there, which was really cool musically. Like, it was just the sign of, look, they are talented, they know, there are people working on Smash who know how to craft a musical. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, we also had Dev proposing. And yeah, that was just awkward. Oh, God, there was so much bad about it. And Leo was just in in the episode. Like, at one point, literally, he was in the background and he was still awful. (laughs) It was amazing. Yeah. He really can't do much at all. Oh, but I didn't tell you. I watched a movie that he was in. Oh, you did? I did. There's a movie called After School. Yeah, you Uh, told me about it. Yeah. That's right. It was on Instant Watch, and I'm like, and it's the the main kid in it is the kid from We Need to Talk About Kevin. The Kevin. Okay. Um, so he's just specializing now in playing like creepy kids, I guess. Um. So it's basically just about like this prep school kid who's like all out of it and sees these girls OD and like doesn't do anything about it, and everybody knows. And Leo just has one scene where he like, it's literally a monologue of him talking to another kid about how he had sex with his sister. Oh, And it's just, it's like, it's the kind of thing where it's hard to say if it's a bad performance or just bad act, bad directing. Like, it's just a scene. It's, it's, you can't really gauge anything from it, but it's really funny to me that this movie was from 2006 and he's playing like a 15 year old. (laughs) It's 2012. He can't play a 15 year old anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Indeed. Uh, We did have um, feedback about Smash. Should we talk about it now or do you want to wait until later with the feedback? Um, we have feedback in the email about th- in the email yes, or Scott, on the page. Scott from Married with Clickers. Oh, okay. Should should we read it now? Yeah, let's read it now. Okay. Um, Scott, who is of the podcast Married with Clickers, and him, it's a great podcast. It's him and his wife talking about movies, and they also they're big fans of trashy TV. Uh, they often talk about The Bachelor, which I actually don't watch, but um, they they on their last episode, I forget which episode it was, it was Virgin Suicides or another one. They started talking about Smash, and they had similar. Um, many similar points to what we said. Um, so Scott wrote in, uh, uh-huh. so I am far from above trashy TV, so I had decent hopes for this one. The first couple of eps were pretty weak for me, mostly because of overall dislike of Deborah Messing and that guy in the Angelica Houston wig. Aww. In other words, Angelica Houston looks like a guy. Yeah, I understood. Okay. <laughs> I, I was making a sympathy. Oh, I like Angelica Houston. <laughs> no, I do like her. She's she's getting up there, though. She's she's a handsome. She's looking woman. a little rough. She is a handsome woman, but she's I think and I mean, I, I don't know that men find her sexy. I think there's something really sexy about her okay. because she's so different looking because she kind of looks like a man because she has this like very sharp haircut. I don't know. There's I, I guess if I were a dude, I would kind of be attracted to Angelica Houston. Just saying. All right. Scott continues. Scott, who is, I don't think, attracted to Angelica Houston. <laughs> I thought it was dull, dull, dull. And if, and, if we, and it was neither good enough nor bad enough for me to enjoy. Then something happened. I watched a few episodes back to back to back, and I started, and I started wanting to actually hit play on my DVR. I still think there are far too many characters, and the Glee-inspired lip syncs to recent pop songs kills the show's pacing. But it has become much more fun in a trashy kind of way. Ivy's drunken onstage train wreck is exactly what I need from the show. I wish they focused more on some of the chorus people, made them a bit more two-dimensional and went the chorus line route rather than focus on Deborah Messing and all her white girl problems. I'm still way behind *Ugly* and may never catch up as it has become too repetitive and I no longer care about the fates of any of the characters. I kind of wish they did a Desperate Housewives five-year time shift thing so that we can somehow get beyond regionals. It's also great to hear you ladies talk about your live theater experiences. Keep that stuff up. Stay gold. Scott, who you can find at Married with Clickers, uh, and I think it's automatic. Um, So I think the five year time jump would be really interesting for Glee. Um, It
0: would be. But like, how would that even
1: possibly work? I mean, It would really work because obviously, like, it is such a high school show. But I wonder if because we have no idea what they're doing next year. They've they've made really coy remarks of how, well, they're keeping all the actors, but it's everybody's grass. Some people are graduating and some aren't. So we have no idea how that's going to work out. And I wonder if it fails miserably, if they'll do something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Um, and I obviously agree about um, Smash. It needs to either embrace its trashiness or get good. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's going the, the earlier route, which is fine. Um, and they are I think they're trying to deal with the chorus kids. You know, the one guy's a Christian. We know that.
0: Yeah, but... We don't know anything about the rest of them, except that one. I love that. The one
1: dark haired gay dancer. Oh, yeah. Well, I like him like because I think he's just kind of fun and believable. But my issue with him is that like in the beginning of the series, they had him be like Ivy's sort of like eyes and ears. Mm -hmm. And now then it was like he was still like became Karen's friend. But like I have no idea whose side he's on. I don't think he's on. I think he's on
0: his own side. Yeah, maybe. I like him.
1: Right. Won't I want more of him. I, I would like more of him, too. But I just want to know who he is first. Okay. Maybe we'll find out that his father is Mandy Patinkin. That Perhaps. Would, I, would, I would see that happening. All right. Should we move on to Glee? We shall. Okay. I feel like this will be a really interesting
0: episode to talk about because I definitely oh, yeah. feel the split in the just in our Facebook group. hmm And I'm curious as to what side you fall on because I know what side I fall on and I – like, after watching the episode and then going on the Facebook group, I was kind of like, what? And then I was like, oh, people do fall. Like, I do fall on the side of some people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's
1: uh, yeah, I'm curious. It, it, is, it is a divisive episode. Yeah. Divisive in different ways, too. It's not like <laughs> some of the other episodes where it's just easy to be like, well, if you didn't like Rachel, you didn't like this episode. Right. No, this was more about the show's structure and whether that worked for you, I think. Uh, so this episode was written by Marty Knoxon. Which I found very disappointing. Interesting.
0: I I had far higher hopes when I saw her name in the credits than what actually
1: aired. Okay, okay. It was directed by Michael Hall, who um, I believe. Now this was a little confusing for me because usually they list the director and I can find him for Glee. For the IMDb didn't list like anything about this episode for some reason, or at least when I checked, but I believe he is um, a pretty, he's a theater director and also a big television director, and he's directed a whole bunch of Mad Men, including mm-hmm. last week's episode of Mad Men, the one the at the codfish ball where they go to the awards dinner. Okay. Which is interesting just to have, you know, to compare his styles for those. Right. Uh, I'm going to say right off that I think this was actually a really well-directed episode.
0: Yeah, I did not have a problem with the direction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I had a problem with some of the storylines and song choices.
1: Okay, so let me uh, do the glee cap, and then we'll okay. do into- <clears> this. <throat> this is for episode 18, Choke. Hope you've got a friend who knows the Heimlich. It's chock full of jokes this week on Glee as Puck flunks his final geography exam, despite the efforts of the New Direction's male contingent in reinterpreting 50s show tunes into study guides. Rachel and Kurt prepare for their long-awaited Niata auditions, in which Kurt gives guest star Wolfie Goldberg a pleasant 11th hour surprise, while Rachel botches the words to her very favorite song ever and doesn't get past the 8 bar mark. Awkward. In completely unrelated news, Sue and Roz teach the female contingent of Glee a lesson on how spousal abuse isn't funny, especially since it's apparently happening to Coach Beast. Women were hit, Rachel performed like shit, and we're thinking the audience might be split on this episode of Glee. That was a good one. Thank you. I was really happy with it once I was able to kind of nail it down. (laughs) Because in a lot of ways, this is one of the simplest episodes in that we had three stories and that was it. Three right. clear stories, and they were all united by a theme, which I – I, there's things about this episode I really liked. Overall, I actually did like this episode far more than I realized, I think, and than I that I thought I would. Um, but one thing I just really liked, I liked it. It was about these essentially three characters who whose lives were suddenly da- – like, all of a sudden, awfulness happening in their lives at the same time. And I like that there was a very clear theme to the episode. It D- wasn't crazy about all three storylines in mm-hmm. varying directions. So who do you want to start with? Um, let's just let's start with
0: Rachel. OK, so it's Rachel and Kurt. Although I feel like this is probably like
1: this might actually be the biggest storyline, but I feel I, like okay. it's I the think easiest it's, to talk it's about. easiest. Yeah, um, um, I really wish and I know some people mentioned this in feedback. I wish they had not given so much away in the preview for this episode. Oh, see, I always manage to miss the end of the preview. Oh. Um, yeah, the preview they had Whoopi Goldberg saying this audition's over. And you had they had like Rachel like kind of shake her head and I think it was really and plus the episode was called choke. Yeah. I think anybody watching this episode would have guessed, Oh man, Rachel's gonna blow it. <laughs> yeah. I, and you might have known that from the first moment of the episode, but maybe you wouldn't have. I I I actually felt bad for her. Oh god, yeah.
0: I felt terrible for her. I was oh. like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, like as soon as she sang the words too, I was like, "Oh my God, she's singing them wrong!" <laughs> like,
1: yeah, it hurts. It. Um, I watched this Wednesday morning, and it was like real. It was I didn't cry with this episode, but when I watched it Wednesday morning, I was like, "Oh man, bummer." And I had like the worst morning ever Wednesday. I just my internet wasn't working. I spilled coffee. There was a giant icky bug. Like. Everything was going wrong, and that was my week. Like, right now, my blog is infected with malware. Like, it's just been that kind of a week for me. And that was, like, one more thing. Because on one hand, I, I kind of liked the episode, but on the other hand, it was this, like, man, that was a downer. And then on Thursday, because we were originally going to record Thursday night, so I watched it again Thursday morning, and that's when I took notes. And I wake up, I'm like, fuck, I have to watch Rachel blow it again. That's really upsetting.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was it was rough. Um, Whoopi did a fine job.
1: I really liked her character. I, I liked what they did with her. Because mm-hmm. it's Whoopi Goldberg. It would have been really easy to have Whoopi be, you know, like the Whoopi from Ghost. Right. But she, she was, I kind of thought of her as, like, Felicia Rashad. Like this, yeah. you know, or very like, respected. Or, actress. like, Debbie Allen. Maybe. Well, no, but I think more respected than Debbie Allen. Oh, really? Yeah, like an actress who is probably more known for drama than musicals. Okay. The kind of woman who does not... Well, not, I'm thinking... Like, Um, didn't Debbie Allen, she, like,
0: did judging on So You Think You Could Dance and stuff? Oh, I never watched So You Think You Could Dance. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. I don't know.
1: Well, Debbie Allen was in fame. She was a teacher. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I just always think of Debbie. Well, here's the thing about Debbie Allen. Debbie Allen used to choreograph the Oscars dancing. Mm -hmm. So I always think of Debbie Allen kind of as a joke for that reason. Oh,
0: no, she's not a joke. I I think she, um, I think she did some judging on, like, So You Think You Can Dance. And she was
1: very you know took it very seriously yeah okay that's interesting then but i i like that she was just quiet and i mean obviously the way they built her up was like oh my god this one's really scary but Whoopi sold it just sitting there with her with her eyes you were like i would not want to audition for this woman and i I have to say like i i really loved how this whole kind of storyline played out Because you do kind of get the sense from the beginning, you know, Rachel's just, I've been doing this my whole life. It was back in, like, season one, Tracy Flick, Rachel mode. I know what I'm doing. I'm just going to get out there. I'm going to do my thing. And you start to see the cracks as soon as, you know, Kurt, you know, does The Boy Next Door. And, like, you see Rachel's look like, oh, wow, maybe I'm supposed to do something different. Right. And I think Lea Michele sold it perfectly when she walked out on stage. And just her performance in that scene I thought was wonderful. And I think we said it before Rachel can cry really well. She can so when she cries, it is like, Oh, ah, uh, I don't want to watch this. It breaks your heart. Yeah, really and there does. are and there are issues of like, yeah, you should have applied to another college. Like <laughs> without question. I, I will be annoyed if they're like, No, no, she has nowhere to go. Yeah, no, she could have also applied to NYU and University of Ohio and you know, everywhere else. Um, but I, I, the weight of this did hit me and it was, it was hard to watch, but done really well.
0: Did you know that, um, Debbie Ellen and Felicia are sisters? Oh my God. I forgot (laughs) that. No, I kind of did not. Um, and uh, cause I just looked, I pulled up her Wikipedia page and she was on, so you think you could dance. I'm right about that. And she did take her judging like seriously. seriously and was very like very she was a good judge Mm -hmm. but um yeah they're sisters which i thought was kind of funny that we both said one of them
1: (laughs) (laughs) it makes us not racist also it does yeah because it's like not like we were like just thinking of another like famed black theater actress no we were thinking of like them because they you know they're sisters
0: yeah (laughs) exactly yeah exactly um sorry for the detour i just
1: had (laughs) to share that um so yeah rachel no good I, i mean i i just thought that was handled as well as it could Very be. Well. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm glad that's the route they've gone because this season, unlike other seasons, Nationals isn't the big deal it was, you know, the last two yeah. years. It's not it's about the competition. It's more about what everybody's going to do after the competition. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so I guess with that, do we have anything else to say about Rachel you want to talk about Kurt really quickly? Um, We can talk about Kurt quickly. Yeah, I mean, Kurt, we're going to mostly audition. talk about it with the song. Yeah. But, you know, he he knew what to do. Yeah. And did it. And you did it really well. Mhm. Uh, okay, so now let's, let's want to do Puck. Yeah, I want to do Puck. Puck. Um <laughs> I love Puck
0: and I love when he gets a storyline. Mm-hmm. Um I'm I was I was I don't know. I was okay with the storyline the first time around. The second time I watched it, I was just really annoyed by that study scene. <laughs> I think it was very sweet like the whole oh, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm cleaning the pool. Here's my dad. I realize that I need to not be this guy. Like I like that part of it, mm-hmm. but that whole study scene really irked me.
1: It. I, I agree. I think it was really well intentioned, but it was just like, are you are you serious? But it was really awkward. And yeah. we've you know we've liked the guys hanging out before. But like not last this. Week, we loved it. It was adorable. Not but this. there's some, maybe it's like when they put all the guys together. And you throw in, like, Rory and Joe in the background, like, looking spacey. I don't know. I think that's it.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I didn't even mind them. I think it was really the song that bothered me. I hated it. Okay, we'll
1: get to the song. I
0: know, we'll get to it. But it's just that whole thing. And then he failed anyway. I like that he fa- Again, I like that he no, failed. I, really I know. It's, failed. It makes sense, and it's real life. But it just – the fact that he – all right, let's see if I can explain – my thought, my train of thought here. The fact that I appreciate the fact that he did fail Okay. because that's real life. You're not going to stay up all night with your best friends and study and then pass the test the next day because you learned a song. Right. So I appreciate that fact. However, I feel like in television and film, when they do do that, we're going to help you. We're going to get you through this. I want my character to succeed. I'm okay with it. Not succeed. I, okay. Keep going. Like, I, I almost wish like he hadn't had that moment where he had to ask for help because I felt I felt ripped off, I guess, that he didn't get to succeed. And I, I, I understand he was supposed to fail, but I, I don't know. There's something about it that that just bothered me.
1: And I kind of disagree completely because I love that. It didn't solve problems. It wasn't like, you just have to have your friends, and then everything will be okay. No, because your friends can't take the test for you. Yeah. I I like that he didn't, that he failed. I think what bothers me is the fact
0: that they thought by staying up all night and studying, they were going to actually help him pass his test.
1: But I think that's a very, like, youthful thing to think. It is something of like, no, I know, as long as I'm there for my friend, they're going to get through this. Well, no, sometimes they're not, because they still need to do things that you can't give them.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It just... Like I said, I like the whole beginning of it. I I I was fine with him meeting his dad, even though it came out of nowhere. Like like, well, seeing his dad, not meeting his dad, but right. um, even though it was like you know completely out of left field and out of nowhere, like mm-hmm. I was fine with it, and it was really sweet. And then that that song and the study scene, I was just like, fuck this. I was like, I don't like this anymore.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I had I had problems with it just because I think um, and I'll really say it when I get to the songs, like I think it was it was a little awkward. I think both moments were um but i like the essence of the story and i'm curious yep. where they'll go from there if they're just going to keep them in high school next year which is what i expected them yeah. to do anyway <laughs> Oh. Uh, and I like I actually really
0: liked the teacher's performance. Oh, I was gonna say that too. Yeah. She was like a teacher, a woman who could actually act. <laughs>
1: right. And, I, I mean, feel she like she looked like a math teacher or like a geography teacher. Yeah. Most of and, the teachers they
0: get, I feel like they don't
1: really cast like, very yeah, well. Yeah. they're either like complete caricatures or they're just young hot things. Mm-hmm. And with her, like she looked exactly like what your geography teacher would look like. And I love that she was like You know, there was that slight sense of like, you know, even though I have been very lonely since my divorce, yes. But it was it was a real person, and I just really liked that touch. And again, whether it was casting or good directing, I just thought that was a touch that could have been could have mangled that storyline even more. And I and I didn't think it did. So, other than the kind of awkward songs, I actually I, I ultimately liked the puck story. Okay. Yeah. So we disagree on that one.
0: Yeah, a little bit. I, I mean, like I said, I'm I'm okay with the storyline and the outcome. It's basically just that, like, if that one scene hadn't been in there, I would have been fine with the
1: storyline. Okay, gotcha. Um, okay, and now this. <laughs> and now on to Shannon Beast and her abusive husband, Cooter. What was this, really? Where did this come from?
0: Who thought this was a good idea? And why are people praising it? Well... The the acting yes exactly I will give you that she I am going a f- to defend some things phenomenal, about phenomenal she did a phenomenal job she yeah. act she her acting I love her she I've always loved her she's the woman from the beginning of the Boondocks Saints even though you hate that movie <laughs> she's wonderful she's always done a good job Uncle, and she's very enthusiastic on Twitter <laughs> she's just happy I just <laughs> and she and she bitched out Lindsay Lohan she did yes. Yeah. And, yes, she acted very well. Does she deserve an Emmy for one poorly written episode? No, I don't think so. So people (laughs) should stop saying that. However, what was the storyline? Why were they making – who prompted them to make a PA about
1: domestic violence? Rihanna? She's not even in the news right now. Well, I don't know. She was on the show sometime back with a song. Uh, Well, okay. I (sighs) – I am very torn about the storyline because there are things I like. I actually liked how it played out with the students. I liked how it was the girls kind of making a joke. I liked that like Roz and Sue, because I mean, it was also in part, and this is where it gets difficult was how much of it was good performances or entertaining performances that sold sold everything for me. Because I thought the interactions of Roz and Sue were great. Yeah. I thought them interacting with the students and saying like, no step. Cause that, I could picture that happening in school. I could see, you know, that like, it is a very high school thing to do. You make a comment, a teacher overhears it and decides I'm going to teach you a lesson. And this is how I have to do it. And I was fine with that aspect of it. I'm not, and with the the thing that bothers me, I'm not even angry about Cooter hitting her. Cause I think they actually ultimately, it wasn't like she walked in, she's like, he's been beating me every day. It was like, he was really, he got really drunk. We got, he, and he, you know, we got into a fight and he hit me. And then he was really sorry about it. It was believable in a way where they, I think they a line with making this character that we've had no reason not to like all of a sudden be a monster. But at the same time, they, they have her saying this as if like, well, ever have a, a really bad fight with your husband? Who's had a lot of beer and, you know, he just kind of loses it in this one, one instant. And I also believe that she would go back to him at the end. And um, then some, some people are other there like, oh, why would she? you, know, she should press charges. She shouldn't go back to him. Okay. Well, it's, it, you know, the thing about this kind of domestic violence, yes, it should never happen. You should not stay with somebody who does it. Um, but and, you make excuses for it and you ultimately you make go back to it. it. And that's believable. And that's why I was okay with that, that being the way the story goes, the issue just being if they could have given us last week one line of Dot Marie Jones saying, well, no, Cooter hasn't been, you know, he's he's not home yet. I don't know. I think he's at the bar. Yeah. Something just to establish that all isn't perfect in Cooter and Beast's household. Yeah, I agree. That would have been enough for me. I, I didn't mind the, because I know, and I know Wayne mentions this, the A.V. Club gave, it, gave this episode an F. Because they just thought this storyline compared to the other ones was just so inconsistent, blah, blah, blah. I don't think it was. I think it was okay in the context of this episode. But I just really think it was unfair of them to throw it on us like that. Um, That's what I didn't like.
0: I, I agree with that. I do... I think the episode overall was poorly written. I I think Mm. there was some awkward dialogue. There were some really good one-liners, which will come up during the high Mm. notes, but I think overall, I think the scene with Santana's joke, I found awkward, like that they were just outwardly. I get that. Like, I believe that Santana would outwardly make fun of her, but that, Mm. I don't know. The other girls just seemed so mean spirited while they were, when they were laughing and joining in with her, like, and I never got that from them. Like they like Coach Beast. They have no reason not to like her. It was just kind of odd that they were like all of a sudden so mean spirited about making fun of her. And I thought but that I was kind of awkward. Meant to
1: be mean spirited. I think it was like. But, it, I, but if, that's what I'm saying. If any of them had actually thought she was getting hit, they would never, never. Right. Was. But that. But that's what I'm saying. That's my problem
0: with the scene with the dialogue is that it came off as so mean spirited. Whereas I don't think it was meant to be. And maybe that's maybe yeah. that. Maybe that's not the writing. Maybe that was the direction they got, but something about it wasn't right to me. And there, there were just like little things throughout. There was some some exchanges that I was just like, this feels forced and awkward. Like you remember specifically? Um, I don't like. I I think like. I'm trying to think. I don't know because I, I want to say it was most of the scenes where Roz and Sue started the scene, like when the, after they walk out of cell, black, cell block tango and they go to Shannon, like, oh, why you why did you leave? We wanted to leave just as much as you did. Like I felt, actually thought that was really funny. Really? Like yeah, it was funny, but I don't know. It was just something about the dialogue was off to me.
1: Interesting. See, I actually, for me, the only place that I can think of that I would agree would have actually been a lot of the Puck scenes. Yeah. Because I think, and like, I, after the... Because this is a the line they've used, like, nine times, where it's like, I've never had a dad, but you taught me what, what it is to be a man. Yeah. Every male character has said that to a different male character on Glee at some point. That's true. Uh, I, and that, that got me, but I thought... I don't know, because I thought the Ros and Sue scenes were... Because that, after the Cell Block Tango, I thought it was, like, genuinely, like, we all want it out of there, because that number sucked, because these kids are terrible. Like, I thought it was just Sue insulting the kids, and I found it really funny. And that's
0: the other thing. I mean, maybe that's my issue, too. I really like that number. <laughs> I don't think it sucked, but I mean, I don't know. That was just awkward to me. And then, like, something about the Matthew—the one scene Matthew Morrison is really irked me when they walk in, and he's like, my kids would never say it. Like, it all felt like such after-school yeah. special dialogue. It really, it really bothered me. And, and the scene where the girls where Shannon actually says to the girls, he he hit me. Okay, like I, I would I, agree on that one. I would agree on that I scene. think it just felt so after-school special. I was like, this isn't Glee dialogue. This isn't that snappy... Right, this
1: is the let's teach you a lesson dialogue.
0: Yeah, which I was the last thing I expected from Marty Noxon because I don't feel like Buffy ever really got yeah. that, that. Well, especially when you think of that she was writing season six. Right. Like, it was never preachy to that point it was never so as after school special as this right. storyline was
1: See, yeah, yeah bothered me i mean i guess they agree on on in there are were some places i would agree i think other parts worked better for me i guess and i think maybe it was just um i took a lot more of it as comedy maybe i don't know i thought and most I of think- the new raw scenes were just meant to be funny
0: And I think that was the other thing was that that was another thing that made me feel awkward is that they were having these really serious moments and then they were comedy. Like all of a sudden, I don't know. I keep snapping. I'm obsessed with snapping now, apparently. (laughs) Um, And I'm like snapping in front of my mouth, too, because that's where the microphone is. I'm like a little out of it today. Um, But but it was specifically the when she's like you're you're coming to stay at my house tonight i have a tent i'll fashion into a dress for you like
1: that like, See, that's- I like that's I that i like that it's funny because i like that i like that they were because to me that was a that was a place where they were softening sue uh-oh they're making this into a dramatic girl power you know dramatic after school moment but there's a little joke thrown in there there's a little sueism thrown in there that you, i like
0: uh, sue doing that stuff usually works for me it didn't in this situation at all because huh. it it just felt forced to me And I Hmm. I thought the jokes were funny. I just didn't like that they were coming after this super sappy moment.
1: Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I just had an issue with it. I know. You're not alone. I mean, I know there are a lot of people that agree with you. I just, I guess, I don't know. I found it. Mookie, don't even. You're going to knock everything over right now. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I found it. I found the episode really entertaining. I found it. It worked for me. All right. Interesting. How interesting. <laughs> we'll just agree to disagree and talk I about guess the we songs. Will. Let's talk about the songs.
0: Um, so first, we have Kurt singing "Music of the Night" from <laughs> "Phantom of the Opera." Yeah, we do. Yeah, he was made for that song as they oh, stated God.
1: multiple times. So, and <laughs> I love his his weird facial and hand expressions because he does this like weird interpretive thing where he's just constantly moving while singing that song. <laughs> And you don't have to move with that song. It's a ballad. You stand there and sing it. Like, but but he's got this like weird arm thing that he's doing.
0: I don't know when I think like I I've only seen Phantom once from very high up in the balcony, but I and I've seen the movie, obviously, but I feel like that's like that's what you do when you sing that song. Like, I feel like that's the way it's always performed. So he's just doing what he's seen like. Yeah.
1: Uh I, Tina is funny during it. <laughs> Tina got stuff to do this episode. She did. Tina had, like, multiple lines. And, like, you can just imagine, like, Jenna Ushkowitz picking up her script this week and being like, oh, my God, I've got, like, six pages where I do something. <laughs> uh, and she was really funny as kind of Kurt's Christine dressed yeah. for some reason like a, you know, 60s mod go-go dancer. <laughs> with the wig. With the wig. Uh, I like that Artie was doing the fog machine. Yeah. Uh, I love, and I know a lot of other people pointed this out was, Oh God, no more candles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. Blaine had a lot of really great moments. Oh, this
0: Blaine it really did. He, he was one character who was like very well written this episode in response to all the awkward moments. He yeah. had like, he had all these really great one-liners.
1: Um, side note that I had to add because I forgot to say, my brother plays is an actor and he's an equity. So there's a Broadway softball league and I don't know if it's above, if it's on the rules or not, but a lot of act, a lot of the teams like who don't have enough actors from their show will get like other ac- equity ac- actors. So my brother is on the Phantom of the Opera Broadway softball team. That's awesome. And he showed me, i mean, we were really like, joking about it. I'm like, oh, so what is like the catcher's mask? Like half a Phantom <laughs> mask and half a mask. <laughs> And we're joking about it. And then he shows me the hat and like their little mascot. It's like a baseball as the Phantom Hat. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. I should have taken a picture of it. It's really great. That's awesome. It made me happy. Yeah. I love
0: the idea that the Broadway, <laughs> Broadway has their own softball league. Oh God. Yeah, they do. Remember on Seinfeld? Rochelle, no, Rochelle? I wasn't <gasps> oh. a big Seinfeld fan.
1: Seinfeld folks out there, Seinfeld fans will remember. It's actually one of my favorite episodes. It's one where Bette Midler guest stars, and it turns into a Tanya Harding parody, which is obviously why I loved it. Uh, But it was all about the Broadway Softball League and um, Bette Midler's team and such. But yeah, no, they play in Central Park. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Next song? Uh, Would be School's Out for Summer, sung by Puck. Originally by Alice Cooper. Yep. This is fun. It was really fun to watch. I thought listening to it, I don't know if it was. It wasn't dramatically different. No, and it was, Puck didn't sell it. I don't know.
0: Vocally, I thought it was really dull. But I feel like was, that song is vocally a dull song.
1: I guess unless you've got like a, a high metal voice where you can really play with it, it. It is kind of, yeah, there's not much you do with it vocally, I guess.
0: Um yeah, but it was cute. It was fun to watch the yeah. the Cheerios and Alice Cooper makeup. Mm-hmm.
1: Although I feel like kids do kids today know who Alice Cooper is. I don't know. That would be sad. Haven't they seen Wayne's World? Oh god, no, they probably haven't. Probably not. Came out in 1992. Oh, God, that's sad. Um, one thing I really liked, I don't know if you noticed it, I caught it the second time around. There's a moment where like the girls are in a hallway and they high five and they totally miss each other. No, I didn't. Yeah, it was there. It was great. Um, Next. Fell Block Tango. From Chicago. from Chicago. Oh, from Chicago, the movie. Because it's staged exactly the same way. Yeah. I've, I've seen
0: Chicago. How is it staged in the play? I don't remember. I don't remember. It's a little... I, ooh, I don't Chicago remember. Chicago is such
1: like a bare-bones set. I feel like it's just... Right. right. There's not much else you can do. Yeah. Uh, things I loved about this song, Mike Chang. Yes. Uh, and It was fun what bothered me about this? It was a tiny little nitpicky thing that kind of ruined the entire number for me. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple was, and I've said this before, how I can't stand when Glee doesn't like embrace the fact that they can play with the music more. When Mercedes comes out, obviously doing the queen Latifah part and you know, she's introducing the song, which is, you know, and now introducing the six Mary murder, murderesses of uh, death row. But there's four of them on stage. Really? You couldn't change the lyrics to say four? But they're still singing six parts. No, they they didn't even get
0: get to all of the parts. No, they didn't get to all the parts, but the six. What are they? Six squish, blah blah, lipshits, Cicero.
1: Six, uh uh-uh, Cicero lipshits.
0: They're six, right? Yes. So they're still singing all six of those parts. I love that they gave Sugar uh, lipshits, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Did you download the song?
1: Uh, No, I didn't. Is the whole thing there? I don't know. That's what I'm asking. Oh any of our um, listeners, if you downloaded the song, please tell us are there six parts ultimately sang or four parts ultimately sang? Or two parts, like in the actual show where they cut it off. Which was
0: disappointing. I was kinda amped to hear sure. them all say I mean, I know it's a really long song, but I love I'm
1: that song. A
0: yeah, I think she could have gone a little more with that though. Yeah. Um, but it, it is just a fun number. No one showed Naya Rivera the movie, I guess, because that woman does it awesome.
1: Oh yeah, we 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 did as I think I've said before. We my friends and I used to you know get together in the backyard and perform Broadway show tunes and videotape ourselves. <laughs> and after Chicago came out, we actually did all of Chicago. Nice. Um. And, uh, our friend Betsy was Velma. Our friend Jess was um. Uh, Velma and um, Roxy. Roxy. Yes. Uh, and just, I was like oh, all just, the other Jess part. or the other yeah, Jess? Just, no, Jess just Wink. Oh. Um, I was did every other. other part. <laughs> yeah. So um, for this one, though, we all sang. It was like the three of them, We all sang it. And I took the upstairs, the knife, with a chicken, with a chicken knife, or whatever it is, because I wanted to be that crazy lady. <laughs> Carving up the chicken. She's great. Now <laughs> I want to listen to that. times. I know, I kind of I ran it. into my knife.
0: He ran into my knife ten, ten times.
1: times. <laughs> and Mike Chang got to do some moves, which was yeah, it. he got to dance and pop some gum, mm-hmm.
0: which he wasn't even popping the gum. They didn't have that sound effect in there. No, but he was, you know, he was, he was working still. it.
1: All right, up next we've got uh,
0: the boy from Good. Oz. Now, why do you say it like that? I mean, not the boy next door from the boy from Oz. I don't know. I was just sighing. Okay, you I enjoyed very it. Like, no, 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 no. I liked it. I enjoy. It. I love Kurt and. Yeah. I've never seen The Boy From Oz, unfortunately,
1: but um, I enjoyed it. It's, um, I, I saw The Boy From Oz twice on Broadway. With um, Hugh. With Hugh. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, they didn't... I don't think they ever they did it without him. Oh, nice. Because if anybody who's seen the show, he is on stage for about 85% of the show. There's maybe, like, two numbers, one that Judy Garland sings and one that Liza Minnelli sings, but Hugh Jackman is essentially on stage the entire show, and... I I have never seen a show more built around one person, but he was amazing. And ladies, if you think you're in love with Hugh Jackman, believe me, you're really in love with him. And ladies, if you think ah that Hugh Jackman he doesn't do much for me, trust me, when you see him do a high kick in gold lame pants, he will do a lot for you. <laughs> uh, we, we went to see I went to see it with my brother, and then we took my parents because they they used to do rush tickets, which was really great. And we left the theater realizing that me, my mother, and brother, who is a straight man, all have crushes on Hugh Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Not your dad? Your dad wasn't down with it? Um, My dad, I think, likes that he's a performer and stuff, but uh, not my dad's type, I don't think. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, This.
0: but then this number, Kurt, did a great Oh, job.
1: yeah. Uh, I thought vocally it wasn't that exciting, although people said that if you downloaded it, um, that there's a couple, there's I think a few more verses in there, and that... He got to get better high notes like in the full version, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it just seemed again, which I kinda said a couple times this episode, I think, um, where it felt like it, it just felt like the recording of it just didn't match the performance, the, you know, acting and dancing. Energy he gave. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Uh but there were tearaway pants, and I will never complain about tearaway pants. I love that he was all set to go. Oh, he God, had, he had he swans on stand-by. Uh I love that Brad gave him this like Brad just had a look when he sat down at the piano where Brad just kind of looked at him and it was just like, yeah, kid, you got it. <laughs> it made are really happy. Uh, and I like that. Like, I, I think we've definitely noticed it this year. Is that like Chris Gulf all grown up. He is. Like, he, he really is. Like, he, he's like, he, like, I'm not attracted to him. No, like, he's a really attract, like he became a really attractive guy. Like, and he was sexy in this number. And you think of Kurt season one where he was just cute. Yeah. You know, and this number you're like, no, he is like, I mean, he's whibbling his hips. Like, he is a sexy guy. Like, <laughs> he, he grew into himself really well. And it was really nice to see, I thought. <laughs> yeah. So I was happy with that. Good.
0: Um, um, now, no. uh, Wait, are you skipping Rachel? No, oh, we should talk Rachel. about Rachel. Yeah, we should. Um, So she attempted to do Don't Rain in My Parade. It started off really good. She did. And then she fudged the words. Oh. And then she fudged the words again. And it was really awkward, and we should never was. talk about it. It just made me really uncomfortable. All right, let's just move on then. Okay, let's do it. The Rain in Spain. Oh, God. From My Fair Lady. This was awful. This well, was so bad.
1: I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the chance they took. I really like that they took a show tune and made it into a rock song. Like, Because that's what I want Glee to do. I want Glee to reinterpret music, which they do so rarely, and they used to be so good at doing. It's just that this was really weird. It was so weird and it was does
0: the actual song have more words? No, those are the song words, words uh, that so repetitive <laughs> and insane. boring. It sure, it sure. Yes, I know, I understand. But what a boring song. And I I appreciate that they made it they pucked it and pucked it. That's exactly what they did. They pucked it, they fended. it, um,
1: it, they jowed it.
0: Um that they, they made it like it. Rock. Oh, this is funny. On Wikipedia, it actually says New Directions, males, except Kurt Hummel, <laughs> which is oh. kind sad. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It just bothered me and that the, he was like, yeah, I know this one rhyme. So I got the answer to this question. Right. I, got two, like, I got two questions right. By learning a whole song. Like, oh, he, ugh, I just couldn't deal with it. I really Maybe didn't like there, it.
1: Somebody had made a song about the Austro-Hungarian Empire.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I just really didn't like it. I just, the song, I, the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, haha," And then it kept going and going and I was like, all right, fine. And then I watched it again today and I was just like, oh my God, I, when is this going to end? I
1: would say for me, A for effort, C minus for for, for <laughs> result. Okay. Yeah. It was just weird. It just kind of failed. But I, I mean, I want them to still
0: try those kinds of things. Yeah. I, you have to keep trying to be successful. I mean... Yeah. Um, and then from possibly the, the worst performance mm-hmm. of the episode to the best performance of the episode. And one of the best of the season. Yeah, I would say They yeah. did, um, Santana, Tina and Mercedes doing Shake It Out by Florence and the Machine, mm-hmm. which we noted was
1: also done on Smash. And that's, now, was this the one she sang at the Bar Mitzvah or to the recording guy on Smash? Do you remember? Uh, I thought it was. Wait, I thought remember was there seven. was an episode where um, Catherine McPhee sang at a bar mitzvah? No, no,
0: no, I remember. But I thought this was the one that um, that Ivy and her did in Times Square.
1: Oh, no. I didn't think so.
0: Um, wait. I'll try looking it up. What is Ooh, it? Shake okay. it up or shake it out? Shake it out. Um, smash. I could have sworn it oh, was the she one. she did it. All right. She did it. I think she did it at the bar mitzvah. Hang
1: okay. On. But it was the one that like Catherine McPhee did. And like, here's the thing that um, – And that uh, article that Helene posted on our Facebook group really makes sense, is one of the things that I really have realized, is on Smash, they continually, whenever Catherine McPhee sings, it's a requirement that every character around her drops their jaw and gets moony-eyed and looks at her as if she's the next coming of Christ, when really she has a pretty voice that doesn't do anything. And, like, I'm just comparing, like, her performance of that song to Glee's performance of this song, and it's just, like, yeah, no, like, she has a pretty voice and that's it. Like, even, like Ivy would have sang that song better.
0: Well, I, I don't know. I I'll, I'll, I feel like I'll always defend Katherine McPhee. I just really like her for some reason. Um And I I do think she sings really well. And I didn't have a problem with her version of the song. She just didn't do anything different different with it. Whereas Glee took it and made it into their own song rather than just singing the song. But again, you have to compare the scenes. Catherine McAfee was singing it at a bar mitzvah. When you go to a bar mitzvah and you have a band, they're going to sing the song
1: exactly the way it's supposed to be sang. Which I would agree with if Catherine McAfee didn't ever do anything interesting with songs. And I don't think she's done anything interesting with any song on Smash. Oh, and it's not necessarily her it's fault, it's her also problem. the arrangement yeah. everything else, but she I just don't think she is a, um, a to me, Catherine McPhee has no personality when she sings. And I think t- normally that's the kiss of death for a musical performer. And it's, it's hard on Glee when you're supposed to root for this girl as being, you know, this uh, young star is born waiting to happen. Did you- when to me she's le- less talented than most of the other people on the show. Did you see her on, you You never watched
0: American Idol, right?
1: Not really, no. Not I mean, a there's bad.
0: a reason she made it as far as she did. I oh. think yeah. I think that she has the talent. I think it's there. I think that Smash is not putting it to the use that they need to put it mm-hmm. to. Because yeah. I, I think when she performs the, you don't even like when she performs the original material? Um, I don't think she's necessarily done it as well as Ivy ever has. Okay, but she's also doing it through a wig and makeup and Ivy has that look about her already. So I think I, I think you need to give her the benefit the of the doubt. But half the time, they put Ivy in a
1: wig also. And then but I Catherine think, McPhee does the Marilyn Monroe voice, which kind of sounds like Miss Piggy. <laughs> you
0: sounded like Miss Piggy.
1: Because that's how Catherine McPhee sounds when she does the Marilyn Monroe voice. I, or she sounds like Shirley from Community. <laughs> I think that it
0: just comes more naturally to... What's Megan Hilty?
1: I agree. But that's the point of the show is supposed to be that, like, you're supposed to think that Catherine McPhee would make just as good a Marilyn. And I don't. But I think I don't think that's Catherine McPhee's fault. I
0: think she's I think there are odds against her. I think she's not getting the direction she needs because I think she can do it. But she's no one's no one's. Helping her, I feel like. Okay. I will give you that. I, I will not disagree with that. Because it's not like anyone I mean, we are no
1: one is being directed well on Snapchat. Yeah. I no one totally even do.
0: Angelica Houston has awkward scenes. Like no one's really performing to the best of their abilities except for Megan Hilty, and I think that's because she's an experienced Broadway actress and that's what she's playing. Yeah. Like she's basically playing herself. That's true,
1: because I think that I think the two best performers on and not, not well yeah on smash are her and tom who is also a broadway actor yeah who just nominated for a tony um, they're I just think, essentially yeah, them. playing themselves but, well the funny thing is though a lot of times what happens with a stage performer when they are then put on a tv show is they play it too big they're too big but and i don't think they are at all they're not because they're playing broadway performers mm-hmm. like and i, I, I yeah. and i still like jack davenport
0: I don't have a problem with him. I think he's doing fine. Okay. I just don't find him attractive as <laughs> Captain Nor whatever. He,
1: well, Norrington.
0: Rewatch the last movie. He's sexy in that movie. <laughs> All right. I'll, well, I'll find it and watch it sometime. Okay. But, but anyway, I, this, we should be talking about Glee. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. So shake it out. This was great. It was really pretty. <laughs> it was wonderful. I loved and, it. And we had a random Kelly Clarkson. How many Kelly Clarkson songs have we had on Glee now? Like oh, 52? There was,
1: no, there was one thing I wanted to point out because somebody, okay. put, again, pointed out on our Facebook group. I didn't notice it the first time. The second time around, there was one of the dudes in the band, the guitar player, was making the most obnoxious smile that I wanted to punch off his face. <laughs> I didn't see it. Yeah, I know. I didn't notice it until somebody pointed it out to me. And then I looked at my, holy fuck, kill that kid. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then we had a Kelly Clarkson song. Yeah, and
0: I, I don't even know this Kelly Clarkson song. It was called Cry. Rachel sang it. Yep. I felt bad for her, but the song was something special. I mean, I thought she sang it well. Yeah, she sang it well, but I don't think it was an interesting song. It was a little hard because it came pretty quickly after Shake It Out. And was you know song. what? The other thing, I was listening to the words today, and it's clearly, again, it's clearly about a breakup. Oh, no. And it doesn't fit. Yep. It doesn't. Here, wait. I'll find lyrics. <laughs> It just didn't fit. Mm-hmm. I just but lost yeah, my dream. Yeah. It fit. Mm-hmm. I just lost my relationship. If anyone asks, I'll tell them we both just moved on. When people all stare, I'll pretend that I don't hear them talk. Whenever, yeah. I, whenever I see you, I'll swallow my pride and bite my tongue, pretend I'm all okay with it, act like there's nothing wrong. And the chorus applies to her situation. Is it over yet? Can I open my eyes? Is this as hard as it gets? Is this what it feels like to really quiet, cry? But the, the whole verse is like, we're awful. They don't okay. apply to that situation at all, and it, it irked me. Understood. Understood. It's going to be okay. All right. High notes? Um, anything Blaine
1: said this episode? He was so good. He was really good this episode. What do you um, – I love when um, – Now, I, I hated this scene. I hated Puck saying, you taught me what it's like to be a man. Even you, Blaine. But I loved Blaine – the way Blaine delivered the line. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> it was so cute. Yeah,
0: and then we we already mentioned no no more candles.
1: <laughs> oh god, no more candles. Yeah. Oh, I I liked Roz's standard nicknames, which included Asian horror movie and Lil Oprah. Yeah, and then
0: Rojo Caliente and Salsa, Salsa. Caliente. Okay. Yep. Um, I don't know. I oh, I love that. I do love that Blaine is always with the boys and Kurt's always with the girls. Yep. That we've mentioned
1: that before, Mm -hmm. but
0: they just keep carrying it on and it 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 makes me
1: happy. It's consistent. You know, it's, it is a good touch. They do. Um, I mean, we disagreed on this. I like Sue's dialogue. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It, it was
0: Sue being Sue. I like that. She, she calls Roz black Sue and herself original, (laughs) original (laughs) recipe Sue and calls Sharon beast, uh, John Goodman. Yep. But, but again, it, it just kept coming at awkward moments for me. I just it wasn't jiving with me.
1: Okay, because it was funny because I'm realizing in my notes I had Sue's kind of like the way Sue and Roz just hated the performance and the way they like bonded over it. You know, we all wanted out of that room. I thought that was funny. It made me laugh. I don't know. It was funny. It was just I. It didn't work for me. I, yeah. Um, I liked Roz, and I mean, again, I did not expect to like that actress whatever and whatsoever, but I found her highly amusing and I think oh, she's fit in quite well.
0: I have one last one. Um, she, the, it, and it's kind of, um, it's kind of just a middle note because it amused me. And then I thought about it and I was like, that was kind of obnoxious. Um, <laughs> but she was like, after her speech to the girl, she was like, blah, blah, blah. Watch what happens, which is Bravo's. Oh, tagline. you're right. You're right. I didn't catch that. Yeah. It's Bravo's tagline. I was like, haha, ha Bravo. And then I was like, <laughs> Uh, I was like, it fell
1: flat after a moment of me
0: recognizing gotcha.
1: it. Um, I just I like the way Kurt delivered the line when he's talking about how um when Whoopi Goldberg was in Medea and she like stopped performing, uh, to lecture the audience about like talking on their cell phones or something, and the way he said it was like you know she was in the middle of one of her I'm killing my babies Arias. <laughs> it just was like the greatest delivery of I'm killing my babies ever. <laughs> Uh, and I like that, again, that Rachel and Kurt are friends. Yeah. I like when they're friends. I don't like when they're enemies. Uh, and it was nice to see that. And I like now seeing the reverse because we've seen so much of kind of Rachel being there or trying to help Kurt. And I'm excited to see the flip of that when it's Kurt, Kurt trying, to trying to comfort to help Rachel. Rachel. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. And that Tina got to do something. It made me feel good for her. <laughs> good for you, Tina.
0: Um, no notes. I I feel like I talked about, it. it was just, I just had issue with the writing and the storyline. It, it it was like, a, it was an average episode for me, maybe like B minus C plus. Okay. I'd,
1: I'd probably, mm, B, B plus for me, I guess. Because I, I don't know, I found myself liking it so much more than I expected it to. Or just <laughs> not so much more than I expected it to. Expected to, I can't use grammar today. Um, I think it was more that knowing that other people really hated the episode surprised me because I found it worked a lot better for me, I think than it did for a lot of people. See, I, I think, well, I think my biggest issue was actually seeing Marty Noxon's
0: name in the opening credits
1: hmm. and cause, having high kind of expectations.
0: Yeah. Having really high ex. Maybe if I hadn't re- like paid attention and seen her name, then I might've accepted it a little more, but I don't really think so. And it, my biggest thing was going on like, Seeing the episode and then going online and seeing that it got received so well and I was like, Why? So like, I see, I found
1: it, it seemed to have had a really mixed reception. Because I think there were people because um the, I'm trying to think what else I read. Huffington Post blog about it, the um, blogger did was is similar to the A V Club where they kind of felt that the mishandling of the B storyline was enough to bring the episode down to a terrible grade. Mm-hmm. And I, that's kind of that was seemed to be the consensus. I assume was out there, but I again, it yeah, I don't know, worked better for me, I guess. But we got a lot of feedback. We do. It was a very divisive episode. Yeah, and I I didn't really read feedback. I kind of skimmed really quickly through some of them, um, so I can't remember for the life of me what anybody actually thought of it.
0: Um. Okay, so you want to start with Brienne? Sure. Um, Brienne says. Hi ladies. Oh, she also she noted to me that she realized afterwards she has a couple of mistakes in her in her feedback, so she said to just excuse them. Okay. Um, hi, ladies. I wanted to watch the episode again before sending you feedback, but it seems that you are taping tonight, so I uh-huh. won't able to. Sorry, this was before we moved our date, so my feedback tonight will be brief. First of all, <laughs> sorry, Brianne. First <laughs> of all, Dot Marine Jones needs an Emmy. The woman isn't on enough, and yet every time she is, she seriously breaks my heart. She makes me feel so bad for her. I feel like her and Darren, Chris should just have their own show. Oh, I would. That mind. I can agree with. <laughs> Um, I was getting happy with some unexpected twists, like Rachel screwing up her auditions and Puck failing his test despite studying and getting on the right path. It's kind of nice sometimes to see characters have some real issues instead of things working out perfectly for them. should be interesting to see what becomes of them now that both their plans are ruined. Mm -hmm. My highlights. Opening sequence with Rachel being Rachel. We be, with Rachel being the Rachel we grew to love in the beginning of the show. She hasn't shown that crazy obsessed girl, and it was definitely appropriate with the life changing audition coming up. My favorite quote was, "You will shine so bright, the sun will cry with envy." <laughs> yep. I love Kurt's metal bow tie. Oh, I forgot about that. It was yeah. adorable. Um, I have a soft spot for Rory because I wanted him to win Glee Project, plus I've watched him in Celtic Thunder prior to all this. But anyway, I love the little scene with the guys planning to get Puck back to school. Rory says something about what's the difference between a shrub and a bush. I actually enjoyed all the male bonding scenes this week, and I find it humorous that Bleen is always there and Kurt is not. But I, I guess he really is just one of the girls i enjoyed sue this week because it was a good balance of her being evil but still showing some compassion in her evil ways mm-hmm. i think it's a good balance instead of her sabotaging people for no reason i find that when she's nice but has a backhanded comment about
1: it it makes me want her to be on the show more otherwise yeah. i feel like she's unnecessary um two things one i completely I agree completely uh the other it just dawned on me that um celtic thunder was the group that rory was in like the boy band in ireland do you think that there's a like stripper version of it called Celtic Thunder from Down Under. Like how in Australia it's Thunder from Down Under, you think? I hope there is. I hope so too. I hope they all wear um
0: kilts. Oh yes I do too. Um Brianne continues, my complaints not to be racist, but does anyone else notice that Coach Roz kind of slaps her fat lips when she's being angry and loud? She's a terrible actress. I haven't noticed but now I will. Yeah. Um, Puck seducing his teacher. If that really happened, he would have been expelled. Just seemed a bit of a stretch and outlandish.
1: I thought they, they defended it well enough where the teacher was like a little embarrassed herself about it. Yeah. I thought that that sold it for me. Okay.
0: Um, Kurt's pants in the audition were too tight. I think he had a sock in his pants. Yeah. Um, I like that they brought up domestic violence, but again it makes me, it, I feel like it was a rush topic. That really could have been something that was an arc for a few episodes. It was it was like, first girls make jokes, then they see the light. All is solved. Mm-hmm. Though I am unsure if she forgave Cooter or if she never left at all. So, See, I agree with that, too. I forgot to say that. So maybe Glee will redeem themselves on this one and make it an actual story arc.
1: I, I, I Yeah, I
0: forgot that. I meant to say that I was kind of confused by by what happened because she was in the
1: car with a suitcase so did was she lying does Denise Beast exist oh, no. Kinda I ridiculous thought, no I thought that was to me that was clear I thought because it was funny the first time I watched the episode I was like brushing my teeth during that song so I wasn't watching the song and I didn't and then the next day I saw people being like oh and then she went back to him I'm like wait what did I miss and then when I watched the episode again I'm like oh no totally no I think she yeah she did not she does not have a sister or she did not go stay with her and I think she totally did go back to him that night And I think she was just lying. And that is a good point. Maybe we will see this. Maybe the story isn't over. It shouldn't be over because I thought they left it. To me, it was clear that she that night she was supposed to go to Sue's house and she didn't. But she had a packed bag, which is why I
0: got confused and thought, all right, maybe she did go to her sister's. Oh, and then the true. next night she went back to him. That's true. That might have happened. You're right, Actually, See, none of – we don't know what happened. They need to be a little clearer. But, I mean, ultimately we know she did go back to him. Yeah, which I also found kind of ridiculous.
1: Well, I no, I don't
0: – I didn't find it ridiculous. I, I know because I mean, it's realistic.
1: Story, but. I, I just really hope it means the story isn't over and that they do give it more weight and that we don't have this complaint about this single – very big story crammed into one episode.
0: But you know what? We have what? Three episodes left. Where are no. they, they going to fit this in?
1: This was episode 18. So we've got 19, 20, 21, 22. We probably have four episodes left. Um, we Wait, have, that seems weird though. Because we, we have promisaurus,
0: props, nationals, and goodbye. We have four okay. episodes. Yeah. So really we're going to shove in a whole story arc when we're dealing with prom, nationals, and graduation, I don't know. I th- I see. I don't, I don't think they're going to. I don't, I don't have high hopes for that. Which is like, uh, all right, now this woman is living with a man who beat her. Right?
1: <laughs> they're just gonna like make it like a a side joke in every episode. Like Beast will just have a bruise, and then the next <laughs> episode like, will have a bruise, and they'll be like, oh, they're just not the honeymooners.
0: <laughs> uh, Brianne continues. Songs. I definitely like the Florence and the Machine song the best. Darkest before the dawn may be the title. It's shake it out, but I think that I think her song name is better. Um, I think what made it was Beast crying. Did I mention I love her? My notes say this Beast needs an Emmy, capitalized, underlined, exclamation point. Cell block Tango is another great song that I love regardless. But again, Beast acting really made the song. If I was home alone, the tears would have been flowing when she said, I don't think anyone else will love me. Just kill me now. I think the rest of the songs were just eh. Not terrible, but not wonderful either. I enjoyed the boys singing the rain in the Spain because they were fun and rocking out. But it's not that great of a song. Puck's Alice Cooper was just good, not was good, just nothing outstanding. Kurt did well in his audition, but I felt like the dancing was a bit much Bit much, kicking his leg on the piano. Was he just trying to do his best Hugh Jackman impression? Well, obviously. Yeah, probably. Okay, so I wrote, wrote a lot more than I thought I would. Overall, it wasn't a terrible episode, and it was on par with what I expect from Glee. I gave it a B- mainly because Coach Beast made the episode, and if I was just grading her, she'd get an A+. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for prom next week. Brienne.
1: I'm excited for prom, because I like prom episodes.
0: It's funny that Brianne and I liked different things, but gave it the same
1: grade. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) For different reasons. All right. So the next email comes from Beth, and it is Thoughts on Choke. Hi, Emily and Erica. Another random collection of thoughts about Glee's latest episode, Choke. I didn't write reviews because I'm not a linear thinker. After my first viewing, my first impression, I didn't like this episode at all. Parts of it felt flat. I only liked some of the songs, but knowing myself upon repeat listening, I will probably like them more. Maybe I was having an off night because I had been on the road for the past couple of days. Five nights in a small camper with a 10-year-old and husband can do that to you. So rewatch it I did. Twice. If I watch it again, I'll rename it The Kurt and Rachel Show as I'll be watching the shortened version. (laughs) Rachel's voiceover intro, old Glee at its best. Loved watching Rachel walking backwards down the hall. That's so, Rachel. Uh, Kurt as Phantom, did anyone else want to hear the whole song? I sure did. Tried to see if it was available on iTunes. No such luck. Comment, comment about Tina's acting during Music of the Night. Two thoughts came to mind, Double Tap and Cardio. <laughs> but isn't that what Christine's doing during that song? She's cool. She's just kind of zoned out and he's just leading her and she's just like, I'm zoned out. She's kind
0: of like, isn't she like entranced by the Music of the Night? Isn't that, I think so.
1: Yeah. Something like that,
0: yeah. He like makes her, the Phantom does that to her, doesn't yes. he? He like makes her because he wants her to be like his little toy.
1: Yep. It is a wonderfully feminist show. Yes. I got the theme of the show was one of failure. A marriage failing, failure to fight back, failing to take control of one's life, a failure of an audition, failing a test, failing out of school, and even failing to follow the norm. Kurt's audition. But I wasn't crazy about Beast storyline. It not only felt forced to me, it felt forced on me. During the whole story, I thought, wouldn't it have been so much more interesting if it had been Shane and Mercedes instead? (laughs) That's racist, Beth! That would have really gotten my attention. My biggest problem, I prefer focus on the glee kids and not the adults. When the adults take over the major storyline, it bugs me. That is my opinion, so feel free to disagree. I kind of at one point thought the same thing as far as like, when they had that speech about, like, abusive what? I
0: just had the best thought ever. Keep going. (laughs) Okay, It would have been awesome if it was Shane and Mercedes, but Mercedes was really beating herself because (laughs) Shane doesn't exist.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I forgot that Shane never actually existed. He's Tyler Durden. And it's just... (laughs) Can you see her in Sue's office,
0: like, like the Ed Norton scene, just, like, beating (laughs) the shit out of herself? And, like, running into a pole to get a black eye. And she's like, Shane, why are you doing this? And Sue's like, there is no Shane. (laughs) Oh, so good. Would have been great.
1: Yeah. That would have gotten an A. Yep, totally. Because, I mean, if Shane beat Mercedes, she would also be dead because he is 90,000 feet tall and pounds weighed. And there would be no evidence because he would have eaten her afterwards. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he would have spit out the, like, sexy uh, necklace that he wore. (laughs) okay okay blaine and mike discussing hair gel hilarious love to see more interaction between those two shame blaine's a junior just putting it out there oh god i agree uh kurt's tight gold pants damn those pants were tight did i mention how tight those pants were did you notice the girls were wearing dresses from regional season one episode 22 journey i didn't either they were gold and they matched that makes sense i i know i did notice i forgot to talk about it Oh, oh how nice that's cool I like that. I mean, I wear clothing more than once. Kurt used the whole stage and was fun to watch. I could see why he could move from semi-finalist to a finalist. He really has some things going for him. Stage presence, unique voice range, flexibility. Showcasing him would be fun. Shame Will never figured that out. (laughs) Nice to see him succeed for once. Also loved watching Brad the Piano Man. He looked with approval at Kurt's performance. High five, Beth. (laughs) All of those things. Rachel's choke. Totally could see that happening, as I did the same thing last winter. Since this is actually kind of Glee-related, I'll share. Our local playhouse has a kids' program, so I went over to sign up my 10-year-old for kids' classes. When I was signing him up, I saw this acting-singing workshop that looked like fun. Signed myself up for it, mind you. I've never acted or sang for anybody, ever. But one of the workshop leaders is actually featured in a song that I have on my iPod. So what the hell. Had a fangirl moment. Spent the next month in agony, wondering what possessed me to sign up for something so far out of my comfort zone. Anyway, we had to perform 32 bars from a song. I picked one that I've known since I was 10 and decided to perform an acapella as the key it was written in was way too high for me. I got halfway through and completely forgot the words. I looked at the other workshop attendees, yelled, damn, and stopped over to get my music. I got a great laugh from the group. I re-sang the whole song and was rewarded with some rather enthusiastic applause. Not sure if I was good, funny, or really, really bad. Oh, and the guy on my iPod leading the workshop was Kurt Mega. You true cliques out there will know who he is. He's our resident local boy. Every town should have one. Oh, and bonus points to anyone who knows what song I was referring to on my iPod. Do you know? I don't. Do you? Okay. No. You look it up. I'll keep reading. Okay. Puck Sto- well, good for you, though, Beth. Good for you to do that. Oh, he's oh. a he's a warbler. Oh, my God. Which one is he? Is he the gay one that's not gay, who has a girlfriend? No, that that one's Asian, isn't he? Yes.
0: Um, no, he's he's Nick.
1: I don't know which one. Is he the
0: blonde one? No, he has brown hair. Okay. He's not standard blonde. warbler. Is he the chubby one? Oh, you know what? He's the one who sang um the the one who sang "Lead on Uptown Girl," maybe. Oh, because nice. when Sebastian was just just like a warbler and
1: not the leader. Right. Yeah. Right. The he, other guy was, he's the one who sang lead oh, on it. Oh, that's awesome. Well, good for you, Beth. And I'm glad it worked out for you. He's very young. Yeah. Well, he's playing like a 15 year old. That's good. He was only born in 88. Oh God. That makes me feel old. Yeah. Very old. All right. We continue. Puck story. Almost forgot he had one. Wow. That's my whole discussion. Didn't leave much of an impression on me. Well, maybe the cougar swimsuit. Remind me never to wear a swimsuit like that. Her body looked old, guess that was the point but as far as another fashion accessory goes i did like the mohawk bike helmet oh i didn't notice that wait i just got sorry i was still looking at the page and i missed that
0: oh we were talking about the i was like who's in a swimsuit because i was still reading the imdb
1: page when you started reading sorry I, i think one piece bathing suits that have the weird cutouts are just the most ugly awful thing in the world
0: yeah, I had one of them one summer and thought it looked good, and then I put it on the next summer, and I was like, oh, this is hideous. What was I thinking? Like, I just think they end up looking really
1: trashy. Like, just wear a bikini. Like, I think that is more – because you're showing the same amount of skin generally with those things. Like, I'm never going to wear either of them, so it doesn't matter. But, like, you're showing the same amount of skin, and so when it looks like you're doing the, like, the the assless chaps thing as a bathing suit, I just – I personally hate it. Okay. That's my 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 uh, fashion take. Although it was up to me, everybody would be wearing like the culottes thing and like skirts covering it. So, okay, I hate wearing bathing suits. That's all that comes down to.
0: Yeah,
1: just like you gotta shave your legs. Oh, yeah, bikini. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I'm probably in the minority, but I actually like the boys singing "Rain in Spain." Yes, you are in the minority. I thought it was funny and love it when anyone takes an old musical number and reimagines it. I'll point to Doctor Evil and Minnie Me doing "It's the Hard Knock Life" as another example. While I wouldn't put it on my iPod, upon rewatching the episode, it makes me smile each time. I suspect "Shake It Out" will grow on me to the point where I can't get it out of my head. Rachel's cry was heartfelt. I sincerely hope they didn't have Cameron. I sincerely hope they didn't have Carmen Thibodeau watching in the wings, as that would be too easy of a way for the writers to get her into Niada. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, well, I was wondering. I'm like, is she going to get in somehow? But right now, I don't see how she can. Yeah, that
0: would be. I would be really disappointed in
1: them if they did that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think she should, but I think she should have fucking applied to
0: NYU. Let's let's just say. If Rachel gets into Niata next season, you'll be listening to Game
1: of Thrones cast. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Mistress cast. Gotta think of a good name for Game of Thrones cast. <laughs> Podcast is coming. Podcast is coming. Oh my God, that's good. <laughs> Fuck. Let's register it before anybody gets it. <laughs> Podcast is coming. That's I'm, good. Oh, sometimes I amuse myself. That, no, that's, that amuses me. I like it. Good. That. I'm glad. Write it down because I forget things. All right. Okay. Things I had to look up. Third question on Puck's Geography Test. Answer. From 1867 to 1919, Austria-Hungary, the dual monarchy of the Austrian Empire and the Kingdom of Hungary, capitals Vienna and Budapest. Thank you. Who or what is Rojo Caliente and Salsa Caliente? Couldn't find an answer. Someone clue me in. Uh, Hot red and hot salsa? Yeah, red hot and hot salsa. salsa Yeah. High points. No Quinn and Medusa. (laughs) Joe, stuff. Not a fan. Glad Blaine didn't have to hide behind the bear after all, but would have liked to have seen Artie roll his chair into a pool again. <laughs> Satisfied Beast went back to Cooter as it was more realistic. I, I will agree to that. Kurt telling Rachel that he loved her. That was sweet. Explain to me again. Why are we not getting a spinoff of these two next year? Oh, they, we, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. Low points. The whole domestic violence plotline. Punishing the girls by having them sing about it. The whole thing did not transition well for me at all. On the other hand, I thought Cell Block Tango was a pretty funny choice for the girls to perform. It was one I could see myself picking out to do because I have a warped sense of humor. I like the reverse angle of the song as empowerment over getting out of a situation or worse compliance. Found it cranky. Cracky. Cracky. Favorite lines. Oh, God, no. No more candles. Blame. Thought about that one on several different levels, complete with a flashback to last year's original song. And then my mind went to other places. (laughs) Gowns are for ladies and tassels are for strippers. Talk to a junior girl about graduation. (laughs) (laughs) Quick thought about the ratings. At first glance, things are looking bad for Glee as ratings are just going down. But all the shows are going down fairly equally. People aren't watching live TV. The The seven year just came out for Big Brother. Oh, the Plus 7 just came out for Big Brother. It takes several weeks, and what a difference. 51.9% of us DVR'd the show and watched it within seven days of airing on TV. That's a huge gain. Bump the numbers up from 2.7 to 4.1 share, and 6.755 to 9.690 million in 18 to 19 to 49 viewers. Uh, she got all these from the TV by Numbers website. The system for determining viewership is completely out of date and needs to be revamped. I cannot find a source for Hulu or Fox internet watches, nor internet feeds, which are watched all over the world. In general, ratings are so much harder to measure nowadays. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. And then you have things like this. um, Started an argument on Outside the Cinema a few weeks about this because they were complaining about Mad Men getting more money to its budget than The Walking Dead, when The Walking Dead attracts millions more viewers. But my argument is a TV show is not just about how many people watch it. As Beth points out, a lot of uh, most people DVR things anyway, more and Mm -hmm. more, more than have to. And on the other hand, it's also about prestige and the product and Fox will not cancel Glee for, they will not cancel Glee. It is probably not a cheap show to produce, but it brings them so much attention in so many other ways that it's not anywhere. Whether it's good or bad. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, and Beth finishes. Happy little side note. Phantom was my first Broadway play that I saw on Broadway. I have two books of the stage play. My Rocky Horror Picture Show companion book is on one side of them. And my new Glee book on the other. Several other book on Broadway shows and my favorite movies round off the bookshelf. We should all have a place where we keep things that make us smile. <laughs> Until next episode, Beth. Thank you, Beth. Thank you, Beth.
0: You want to read the next one? I will. Our next one is from Helene. Um, her subject is how to write a Christian character. She says, hello, as usual, ladies. So I'm afraid I have to come down on the side of not really vibing with the domestic violence storyline in this week's Fuck episode. Fuck you, Helene. That was really harsh.
1: Oh, I didn't mean it. I it. I'm sorry, Helene.
0: I honestly cringed a bit when I realized they were going to they were going there and my initial reaction to the whole thing was very strongly negative. I hated that it was Beast who finally had found a little happiness. I hated that it literally came out of nowhere and most of the lines just seemed like stock lines from a domestic violence it could happen to you handbook. <laughs> Thank you Helene. There it you felt know. a little like someone really wanted to do Cell Block Tango and they just built the rest of the story around that. Did not like. There were a few things that did work about it, though. Dot Marine Jones is just an incredible actor, and her understated performance was what saved this from becoming an absolute farce. And my biggest surprise of the night, NeNe Leakes. I've been silent on the subject of Coach Roz because it just seems to me... Like the most pitiful of stunt casting and I've just been grateful that they let her give clever one-liners in her strange delivery style and otherwise keep her out of the picture yep. I was very unhappy when I realized she'd become a part of the violence story and expected it to finally show how much she really sucks, but she came through yep. she just commits to that weird way of saying a line that she has that she has, and no one was more amazed than me that she handled the material really well, I was very pleasantly surprised with her in this episode I agree 100% you know, I'm going to gush about, you know, I'm going to gush about Kurt's song, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes Glee just gets it so right. The whole Phantom Boy Next Door thing is a metaphor for how Kurt, how far Kurt's come since the beginning of season one. Could you ever imagine season one, Kurt up there singing joyfully about how different he is and just completely owning his sexuality? Mm-hmm. And by sexuality, I don't mean his act, his being gay sexuality. I mean, his holy God, because those pants get any tighter sexuality. Everyone has comments about his pants. I didn't notice his that pants. Really that. I didn't really notice. I was distracted by the dancing.
1: <laughs> Again, I agree a hundred percent with the, those statements as well.
0: <laughs> okay. I have a confession to make twice. Now you guys have complained about how a character on the show mispronounces the name of a New York college. And, on, and honestly, both times I thought you were seriously nitpicking. Like, <laughs> Really? What, what's the big deal? Who cares about how it's pronounced? <laughs> then um, who cares how it's pronounced? Then this week, Kurt said she once stopped a performance of Medea. <laughs> Medea the the play here's referring to is Medea pronounced Medea and it, I'm saying <laughs> it right, right. Yes you are. Okay, and I want to make sure. And it completely blows my mind that no one on the glee set knew what every single person in my freshman drama class would have known. <laughs> How the hell do you have a character who wants to be a who wants to be an actor mispronounce the name of the seminal works of classic classical drama? It's like saying Romeo and <laughs> Juliet. So I hereby apologize for discounting your complaints.
1: I get it now. Wait, let me make a statement about this. Um if now, in the case of theater, it's not as good an excuse, but I will say for other words and character names, if you're a big reader when you're younger, as I was, a lot of times you learn a lot of words and you know what they are, but you have you've never have heard them spoken. And I'm trying to think of a good example, like for years, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of like a Frenchy sounding word, rapport, for example. Like, I would read that word and I understood that it was not report, it was something different. But as I was reading when I was a kid, it always sounded, I, I said it in my head that way. So it is possible that Kurt could have never seen a production of Medea and maybe has read enough about, you know, about theater and maybe he's gone into, um, uh, not Aristophanes, uh, uh, uh is it Aristophanes? Fuck, no, I can't remember who wrote Medea. It wasn't Sophocles, I think it was, um, anyway, Maybe he has read the plays, maybe he has read about the plays, he has read all of his favorite actors' bios, and he knows what parts they performed, but he's just never seen a production of it. And because, I mean, it's not like he's in a drama class in college, in high school, he has never actually heard anybody say Medea out loud. So I'm going to give him a pass for that. Okay. Okay. But back to Kurt's song.
0: I need to point out that the last note was a high G. I can't even hit a high G. On my best day, F is the top of my range and I am an actual woman. <laughs> the, that Chris Colfer can hit that note. That, that Chris Colfer can hit that note is just insane. Beautiful, but insane. Wikipedia defines the high end of the counter tenor. Oh, i for some reason it all ran together as one big word for me. And I was like, what does that say? <laughs> But now exactly. I see it as two words, and I realize it's countertenor, range as E, or perhaps G. All that is just a way for me to gush again about what an exceptional voice he has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, back to the episode. Although I didn't love the domestic violence story, I was glad that Glee seems to have figured out you don't always have to tie everything up in a neat little bow at the end. I like that we were, we're left wondering what's going to happen with Beast, and I really like that Puck didn't magically pull out a passing grade so he can mm-hmm. graduate. As for the title of my feedback, here's how you write a Christian character. Finn, he doesn't even log on to Call of Duty attorneys anymore. Joe, I'm going I'm going into full-blown prayer mode. See, it's funny, it's apropos, it's a bit self-deprecating, and it makes me like Joe instead of wanting to mm-hmm. bury a hatchet in his head.
1: Well, I mean, if you bury a hatchet in his head, it doesn't do much.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it would just cut off some dreads. Yeah, we get stuck in the dreads. And I'm telling you now that Shake It Out is going to top my list of favorite songs this year. That arrangement was the best thing Lee has ever done. I seriously believe that. There has not been a better combination of arrangement and vocal performance. Those girls could totally tour with those harmonies. Buy the full version on iTunes. You won't regret it. Finally, I have to share my son's reaction to the auditions in this episode. He knew from spoilers that either Kurt or Rachel was going to choke and blow the audition. Before Kurt started singing, we had to pause the TV so that he could take a deep breath and prepare. Oh. Aww. He was totally nervous that Kurt was going to be the one. We, we had to pause again afterwards so that he could express his relief. Then, after Rachel choked, he asked me to pause again, got up, went to the back door, and started shouting and cheering Aww. in the backyard so as not to wake his sleeping brother. So, so I guess we know who he who he likes and who he's really really sick of. Ah, that's awesome. That's adorable. Prom next week and from the looks of it, at least I won't have to write another traumatized. How could they do that to Kurt feedback? Oh my
1: god, I forgot that happened last year.
0: It was intense. But I've heard r- rumors that there may be some traumatizing on the on other fronts. Well, till then, smiley face. Helene.
1: Thanks, Helene. Very good
0: feedback. It's the theme is dinosaur who's going to get traumatized at the I don't know prom? I mean the
1: preview did you, you you didn't really watch the preview for it did you Um
0: I watched it in two chopped up pieces because it start like we saw the beginning of it on the glee recording and then the end of it on the new girl
1: recording Oh gotcha Um well I mean there are dinosaurs which will be awesome but obviously we're going to have to it seems I don't know. Somehow it seems like it's a Rachel Quinn Finn issue next week. Oh, oh. oh yeah, because they were like, I'm not going to let Rachel
0: and Quinn know, be proud. Already, but, yeah. yeah, I don't know. We'll find out.
1: We have we, At this point, we have two days before we see it. So, you know, that's good.
0: Oh, yeah, it's only Sunday. I thought it was it's Monday. Fun. I'm so excited. <laughs> I get to see Avengers in like 5, 36, 37, in like two and a half hours. That is exciting, oh, man. I'm
1: like, I have
0: nervous energy. Go.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. Our last bit of feedback comes from the one and only Wayne cocky whose subject is. Meanwhile, poor Quinn has rolled into a drainage ditch somewhere. I didn't mean you had to go fast. I just meant starting. Oh, I, I, I have two and a half hours. I'm good.
0: I don't know how much time you need to prep. I'm gonna. I'm going gonna, in costume. No.
1: I, I like how disappointed you were by when you said that.
0: I don't have a. I need a mirror, mirror,
1: mirror. mirror. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, oh, see you if you had seen what? Thor. If you had seen Thor, you would know God, that. I'm it. sorry.
1: But Emily hasn't seen Thor. So whatever. Sorry about that. Apparently, buddy. it's essentially the same as being a, an SS officer in World War II. It is. I know people that you respect really hated Thor, but it it was wonderful. It's so. it's not even just that. It's that, like, I am not a big superhero. Like, I love Joss Whedon, and I don't even really care to see the Avengers. I might like at this point I've heard so many good things, so I probably will. But I'm just, I'm not a superhero movie person. Okay, but Thor is the one that sets up
0: the villain for the Avengers. So uh-huh. if you're not gonna see Captain America or you're not gonna see Iron Man or Iron Man 2 or the Incredible Hulk, that's fine, but you need to see Thor. That's all there is to it.
1: But it's like two and a half hours it's it's all oh, that's the other thing. None of these movies can be 90 minute movies. It's like two
0: hours, not two and a half hours. That's long. And then Kat Dennings is in it.
1: That doesn't make me
0: go see these movies. I know, but she's great and she's funny. I was just saying that because I know you don't like Natalie Portman.
1: I will go. I could go see it, though, because isn't – um well, Anthony Hopkins is in it. Yes. Uh, and and uh, Tom – Stringer Bell is in it. Who? Uh, Stringer Bell from um, Idris Elba from, from The Wire, The Office – Tall, tall tall handsome chocolate man yes he's yes. wonderful he's the sure he is, he's great in it he
0: is he's really funny
1: and jeremy renner is in it too isn't yeah he? he's, yeah, he's hawkeye is another I one mean, of my questions
0: he has a very very small part in this film but he is hawkeye in it so
1: is it on instant watch no Let's See.
0: Why didn't you ask me to bring it yesterday? Well, I, I probably listen, actually
1: because you you, I knew you'd want to watch it anyway. Yeah, so. I
0: wouldn't. I probably wouldn't part with it at this point. But I have the DVD and the Blu-ray, so you could you could have borrowed the DVD. Oh yeah. Okay, I will. And Chris Hemsworth. Oh god, Chris Hemsworth. He's a handsome man. So sexy. It's, it's really good. Like It's just a good, like, I just have seen it so many times now, and I still enjoy it, and I still laugh at it. I just really love it. And like I said, it sets up the villain for the other one. So
1: Is it anywhere as good as Roadhouse? I, I don't think I've ever sat through all of Roadhouse. It's oh, so good. <laughs> that, that is a good movie. I think I've watched most and of Elliot it. Elliot, with a really sexy haircut. Okay, fine. All right, go ahead. Whoopi and Goldberg. Well, this was a controversial one, huh? My first honest gut reaction when I watched Choke was that it was one of the highlights of season three. The next day, naturally, the AV Club dubbed it a new low for the series. Obviously, a bit of a discrepancy there. Before I dive dive in play-by-play, I'd like to defend the episode in broad terms and explain what it is that I initially liked so much. I think we can all agree that this was a downbeat episode, and I think it's extremely necessary for Glee to do those now and again, so that the show doesn't become excessively sweet or oppressively cheery. That's why, for instance, I appreciate the funeral episode from season two, another one which wasn't universally loved.
0: Yeah, well, that was My for article. other problems. <laughs> Speaking of, did you see what happened last night? Were you? I don't think you came inside at all during that. No, I, I guess walked so. into the living room and Pam and Terry were sitting on the couch with Bayram and Quinn, which are their children. And I looked at the TV screen and I went, oh, nope. And I ran out of the oh room. Oh, no. They were watching Willy Wonka. Yep. And then I had to just stand in the kitchen for a little while because I was cold and I didn't want to go back outside. But I couldn't go in the living room because that evil film was on.
1: I'm sorry. It's okay. Glee is a show which too often relies on easy answers, trite homilies and songs which solve everything. Choke was all about how songs don't necessarily solve anything and how you can't fix your problems in the course of a single montage. What we have here are three stories about characters who are put into high pressure, do or die situations, and then, for a variety of reasons, fail to live up to expectations. In each case, the characters receive lots of moral support from their friends, but this isn't always enough to achieve certain goals. Yet Choke isn't just about disappointment and failure. It's also about being grateful for the friends who have helped us along the way, even when we lose. In a way, watching Choke was like watching a concession speech by an unsuccessful political candidate. And what do politicians always do in that situation? They thank their campaign volunteers. It's one of the most sincere moments of any political season. So far, away, you and me? Agreed. Yeah, I agree
0: with that entire paragraph. Like.
1: You just didn't It like, should okay. have
0: been a better episode. Like, I, I like I, what they tried to do with it. I just don't think they succeeded as well as they could
1: have. Okay, fair enough. Wayne continues. Okay, enough generalities. Let's get into the specifics. The show starts with not only another slow motion hallway and the rarely heard Glee closing theme song in the background, but with Rachel's inner monologue about space clouds. No two ways about it. This is another example of Glee straight-up copying the style of election. This is exactly the kind of thing Tracy Flick would do. Reese Witherspoon also sol- sol- I can never say that. soliloquized about being special. And throughout this sequence, Rachel is extremely, well, Tracy Flicky. What with her alarm clock, her pin curlers, her fet- fet- fetish... Just stick over preparation. I know I bring this up a lot, but I promise that when Glee stops being Election, the musical, I'll stop calling it Election, the musical. With it, is it soliloquized or sol- soliloquied? Well,
0: ooh, now that I'm thinking about it. It is a
1: soliloquy. It. Right. If sol- you are doing it as a verb, soliloquied. I'd say I'm soliloquized. Soliloquized. I thought about it after I said it. Huh. I'll no. go with it. All right. I'll just say you're right. The backwards walking and the students with the sandwich board signs. Now that's pure glee. Great weird touch. No way is this episode an all time low for the series. Not with scenes like that. Somewhere, some young actor will get to say, I played menstrual bloat on an episode of glee. <laughs> yeah. Rachel talking to herself in the mirror reminds me a bit of the ending of Boogie Nights, which uh, which in turn was a riff on Raging Bull. Goddamn, her bathroom is so clean. I just got through cleaning mine and it's still not that clean. <laughs> Puck and Finn do an Aaron Sorkin-style hallway walk and talk. The extras look really look like real high schoolers, so Corey and Mark really stand out like giants among pygmies. Did I mention that the extras in the election were also real high schoolers? Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. So Puck's doing well in auto shop. That's nice. Hey, Finn, do you know anybody who maybe owns an automobile-related business? <laughs> Smart cookie, Wayne. I like that Puck's plan to seduce Miss Dozenberry almost works. <laughs> Hey, the show, remember that Brittany is class president. Remember that ahem, election, which occupied lots and lots of screen time just a few months ago? Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> yeah, and she just had her first um, student council meeting. Yeah, at the end and of the school year. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it also for senior class vice president? class president? Um, I
0: don't know. I thought yeah. it was.
1: Because yeah. I'm sure Brittany is not a senior. Anyway, regarding Sugar's outfit, is the 1920s flapper look coming back? Somebody check into that. I, think I it's, hope it is. I hope so, too. They're, they're comfortable flapper outfits because they're, like, very square, so they're not tight. I think it's clear that the most problematic, divisive, and troubling storyline of this episode is the one involving Shannon Beast. My thoughts about this are all over the map. On the one hand, this is the first we've seen Shannon in quite a while, and it kind of sucks that the show brought her back just to be a cautionary example in this morality tale. It's kind of like how Quinn's big season three plot is just an elaborate public service announcement about texting and driving. It's great to see these actresses get some playing time, but it feels like the gods of Glee are being cruel to them for no reason. It's a shame, too, that Cooter is now an irredeemable villain. When thinking about the arc of the Beast-Cooter relationship, I'm reminded of a quote from Mistress Assetter 3000. So then, the director's whole point, if I'm not mistaken, in this often cold and lonely world, don't reach out for love and human understanding, or you'll only become part of a grisly lab experiment. Um, just side note, Emily again, uh, the thing that worries me about the Cooter storyline is there, there is no going back because Glee, as a show aimed at, you know, 18 or 15 year old kids, could not have a character ultimately be happy with an abuser. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could do it on, oh, fuck, on soap operas, they have dudes rape women and eventually they fall in love. You cannot do it on Glee because of many times we've said this. Glee will never do that because they are ultimately speaking to a younger audience. And as much as they can be risque and raunchy, they can't do the wrong thing and have it turn out well. Yeah. And that's why, like, you're right. Cooter is damned because there's no way the writers can redeem him for this audience. All right. Continuing. Substitute after school special for a lab experiment. And that's how Glee is treating Shannon. But on the other hand, this very same storyline in some weird go, goes in some weird, unexpected directions. It also gives Roz something to do other than her usual, I'm a reality show diva shtick. As with Quinn's story, this isn't a plot I would have chosen for Dot Murray Jones, but at least it gets the actress back on our screens. So I'm all mixed up about this. Was that a plug for Watch What Happens on Bravo? I'm guessing so, since the Bravo Glee corporate synergy knows no bounds. Shame, 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 Glee. I'm puzzled by Tina's outfit and her demeanor in music of the night. <laughs> is she supposed to be Sarah Brightman as Christine? That explains the 1980s hair, but the dress seems a little science fiction-ish. The Glee Wiki says it's left over from Mashoff. off Also, she seems to have cheerfully volunteered to help with Kurt's audition. So why is she so sullen and uncooperative during the actual number? I know, I know. They're trying to make it look all really bad, so that we'll be rooting for Kurt to do another song. Is it wrong for me to say that I really like the way Chris Colfer is singing this? And I'm not a Phantom of the Opera fan by any means. Anyway, I'd love to see Chris and Darren sharing some light, funny banter, as they do at the end of the scene. So not the worst episode ever. Well, I think we said Tina's yeah. supposed to be, like, in a trance. That's that's the way it's played on Broadway. Yep. Yeah. School's out. Stupid or stupidly awesome? I'm going to say the latter. It's obviously wait, sure. Wait, wait. Wait, wait. Did I skip something? Read it. Read the sentence again. You read it backwards. School's out. Stupid or awesomely stupid? You said
0: stupidly awesome. Oh, Sorry. Sorry. No, well, it makes the meaning of the sentence Fine. different.
1: Fine. Are We good? Yeah. It just okay. changes the meaning of the sentence. I'm okay. sorry. God. But it's because it's your birthday soon. It doesn't mean you can. Oh, by the way, everybody, Sarah's birthday Woo. soon on Tuesday. Tuesday. Wish her happy birthday on Tuesday. Okay. Uh, stupid or stupid? Ah! <laughs> 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 Stupid or awesomely stupid? I'm going to say the latter, which is awesomely stupid. It's obvious, sure, and this song has been done to death, but I like it when Glee goes the fantasy route with its musical numbers. It's nice that they took this out to the football field and got the Cheerios involved. You know what really sells all this, though? The wonderful, horrible moment when they cut back to reality. Instead of being on the football field with a burning guitar, Puck is really in the choir room with a non-burning guitar. I like the contrast between the fantasy and the disappointing reality sue's doing more metacriticism of lee and she's spot on i realize this room is america's number one destination for cheap sappy moralizing that line could have come directly from one of my own feedback emails (laughs) i just now noticed that during this scene about domestic violence fox chose to run a promo in the lower right hand corner for the ultimate fighting championship (laughs) i kid you not i'm looking at the screen right now it says ufc on fox saturday 8 p.m eastern standard time when to stay classy fox But anyway, the more important question here. Does the Shannon B story amount to cheap, sappy moralizing? I say no, but I'll leave it open for debate. Wayne, I agree. Erica does not. (laughs) Another question is this. Is the American songbook really chock full of songs which make light of men hitting on women? Offhand, I can't think of too many. I mean, there's the infamous oldie, he hit me and it felt like a kiss. But that song is anything but light. In fact, that song could be interpreted as anti-domestic violence. It was specifically written to cause controversy and spark debate. And yes, it was written by a married couple, Jerry Goffin and Carole King. I'm pretty sure Carole King is not advocating domestic violence with that song. There are numerous references to men hitting women in gangster rap, Boys in the Hood, nothing but a G thing, for example. But these are what we think of as the American song. But are these what we think of as the American songbook? And then, of course, there's Smack My Bitch Up by The Prodigy. But they're from England. Another British group you might have heard of. The Beatles did a song called Getting Better, which contains this line. I used to be cruel to my woman. I beat her and kept her apart from the things that she loved. Not exactly making light. So where are, so where are these songs, Sue? I don't know. I don't know either. No. I mean, I think in American music, a lot of times it's been more criticism of music videos. Where you often have, like, for rap videos, it's a lot of times, like scantily clad women kind of being you know just sort of um materialized and same goes on the reverse with like rock videos where it's just you know kind of like a, a trashy waitress dressed in nothing sort of being ogled by a lot of guys but i don't know in the lyrics that they're that those references are as strong as they kind of make it out to be uh, win continues, and they immediately cut from this to a boxing scene? Intentional? Accidental? I think it's significant that the guys in this scene are behaving in a way we would think of as stereotypically female. Talking about hairstyling and weight loss. I think you're right, actually. How bad is it that I am unfamiliar with Peter Allen and not the boy next door? Wikipedia says he was married to Liza Minnelli, who was also name-checked in this scene. That marriage didn't work out because Peter was, you know, gay at the French horn. Liza seemed to marry a few gay men. A fate which I somehow also picture for Rachel. Uh, Wayne, I... If you... You know what? I don't know if there's any things on YouTube. If you can, go on YouTube and see if you can find um, Hugh Jackman in The Boy Next Door. I'm sure there's like a Tony performance because it's worth watching because he was so good in it. Peter Allen wrote many songs that... Um, you would know. I can't think of any others right now. Uh, He won an Oscar, I think, for the theme to Arthur, I believe. Peter Allen was a very famous uh, musical performer, and I'm surprised that Wayne doesn't know him, actually. But yes, he was married to Liza, and that is in The Boy From Oz. They have a song together, and Peter Allen continuously in the musical says to Liza Minnelli, your eyes are enormous. Uh, Wayne continues, at first I was appalled by he had it coming. I was thinking, has Glee got insane? This is a totally inappropriate mis... And misses the point entirely. Not only that, but it's another example of Glee merely quoting rather than reimagining. It's been a while since I've seen Chicago, the movie, not the city, which I see every day. But I think the song was staged exactly like this on screen. Yes, it was, Wayne. But Glee had some tricks up its sleeve. First, the song has an unexpected effect on Shannon. And then Sue does yet more meta-criticism with Roz joining in. And the two of them say exactly what I was thinking. Shannon's confession. Dot Marie Jones does a lovely job with this, but it seems completely out of the blue. I mean, the show has been building this up over the course of the whole season with reaction shots of Shannon. Whole episode. I mean, I'm sorry. Yep. No. Oh, yes. The show had been building this up over the course of the whole season with reaction shots. Episode. Of Shannon. Episode. Fuck Holy me. Shit. I. God. <laughs> you want to take over the email, Erica? No, I.
0: I wasn't going to correct you on that one, but you kind of stopped, so I fixed it, and then you
1: did it again. Because I thought. It makes sense if I were to look at the word. I thought that I misspoke at something else. And he was saying, but had the show been doing this? But then I realized, no, he wrote it right. Oh, no, I was wrong. It's an episode. Ah-em. Okay, I'm, continue- I'm I'm clearing clearing the air. Blah, 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 blah. Vocal warmups. The show had been building this up over the course of the whole episode with reaction shots of Shannon. But when the moment came, I still didn't know how to process it. The alibi was obviously contrived, but the truth didn't sound convincing either. Okay. I will going go move on. We're good now. Okay. Yep. Finn's whiteboard scene reminds me of Kevin Costner in JFK. This is a little bit of silliness, which accomplishes nothing, but it's cute and funny, and lets various cast members, including Rory, have nice moments. And I think the point of this is that Finn and the gang want to help, are, are very, very sincere, but they're just not very good at helping. More on that later. $500 would have, wouldn't have would have gotten you very far in L.A. anyway, Puck. Can you imagine if there had been a flash-forward of middle-aged Puck asking grown-up Beth for money? Oh, the comedic, dramatic possibilities of this. I would have cast Sienna of Aragon as the grown-up Beth, who was totally messed up because of being raised by the demon Shelby, with Mark sailing with a paunch and a pencil mustache as a middle-aged <laughs> Puck. His hair is thinning, but he's trying to maintain a decent mohawk. He now chain-smokes Newports. That would be great. Oh, God, it's depressing. Yeah. More than any character, if they did a flash forward, Puck would be the really sad one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, no, Artie might be. No, I think Artie will. I think he'll do fine for himself, but he has the potential to still be living with his mom and having her dress him.
1: That's true. That's true. But I think he can also be like, yeah, oh, no, you're right. He can be like, he becomes a writer, but he lives with his mom until he dies and then is crazy. Yeah, no, I can see that. Okay. I like this idea of Glee five years from now. Now, Let's do it. <laughs> Let's just make the show. Let's, we're going to now podcast as if Glee has, is now doing everything five years from now.
0: Yeah, we're just going to write episodes and we'll read them to you
1: every podcast. Hey, oh, God, don't give me that idea. Okay. Whoopi Goldberg is admirably restrained as Carbon Thibodeau. She could have really hemmed it up and made Carmen a monster. But no, she held back and made Carmen a woman who was tough but fair. Good call to all involved. Great little touch. Kurt calling her La Tibodeau. Tell me again how this is the worst episode ever. Not the boy next door. Okay, Kurt had his swans on standby and a whole other outfit under his outfit. Is it possible that he was planning on doing this song all along and that pretending to do music of the night was just subterfuge to add extra drama to his audition? If so, I applaud Kurt on his showmanship. At the end, Wimpy congratulates Kurt on taking such a risk today. So apparently, Carmen got the script for this episode and knows what the official Glee theme of the week is, risk-taking. Rachel's audition. That was not the audition. The um, I don't think that was the email. Rachel's audition. In retrospect, the promos for this episode, maybe, just maybe, gave too much away. It would have been nice if the scene and its outcome had not been announced well in advance. But still, this is a great, cringy moment for Rachel. Notice how this episode largely, wisely keeps Finn and Rachel in separate stories. Again, not the worst episode ever. Apparently, this plot was inspired by Leia Michelle's real life anxiety about performing live on the Glee Tour. Thanks again, Glee Wiki. If you haven't visited that site yet, do. That really surprises me.
0: Thought she was nervous? Yeah, because I mean, Leia Michelle is. She did big Spring big... Awakening every night yeah, she for how very, long? a very experienced Broadway performer, so I'm surprised that. Um, you sound like you're recording from an underwater robot again. Yeah, <laughs> nice. You were really good the whole episode. I don't know what changed just now. Yeah, um, sure. So I'm just going to take over again.
1: Okay.
0: Puck studies with the gang. How are all these kids allowed on school property at three in the morning? And what are they all telling their parents since this is obviously a school night? Studying. <laughs> Another great touch. Rachel's dads are s- sitting shiva, <laughs> and that's even and that's even some next level shit because they don't explain it and don't dwell on it. Good for Glee. It would have it would be so awesome if this incident made Rachel totally snap and become the phantom of Niata yeah. lurking in the school's dark corners and sabotaging the other students. Speaking of which, shouldn't she shouldn't both she and Kurt have been applying to several schools and not pinning all their hopes on this one, which they'd never even heard of until a few months ago? The show is treating this Niata thing as the most important audition of Rachel's life, but it shouldn't be. It's not an audition for a school not. It's an audition for a school, not the audition for the only school.
1: Uh, I just had a stroke of genius. What Glee should really do next season, they should do, like, I know they said they were doing this for American Horror Story where it's, like, standalone episodes now. Standalone episodes set in yada, where every episode is essentially another Broadway musical. But somehow it works. So, like, yeah, the, the first one is The Phantom of the Yada and it's Rachel as um, The Phantom of the yada And then the next episode is, like, is... My Fair Lady, where it's like somebody teaching Kurt how to, <laughs> you know, be a New Yorker. I got this. You're going to write it. Yes. We're doing we're just we're taking over and we're doing spinoffs, apparently.
0: Yeah, we're just going to be a spinoff podcast. Yep, yep, yep. Um, You sound fine again
1: if you want to take it back. Oh, over. yay. OK, I'll try. Here we go. The Rain in Spain. Again, stupid or awesomely stupid? My vote still goes with awesomely stupid. The stupid part is non-negotiable either way. This is a punk pop A pop-punk version of a song from My Fair Lady, after all. It's been a while since Puck has had some musical showcases, and boy does he get some in this episode. And Finn is much less punchable in this storyline than he usually is this season. There has been some controversy over the way Sue talks to Beast in this episode. The jokes, the insults, etc. But this topic has been well covered in the Facebook group already. Bottom line, this is Sue's twisted way of showing respect for a person. She insults you because she knows you can take it. If she pulls her punches, that means she... She pities you. Insulting beast is Sue's way of saying, you're still you. I'm still me. Not everything in your life has changed. There are things you can still count on. Did you just start recording on the street? No, somebody honked outside. My window Oh my goodness. They honked really loudly. It was so loud. I know. I mean, I know your apartment. I know where the street is. I was yeah, like, that was so the loud. Me. There's an alleyway behind me. I know. Something weird is going on with Puck and his geography test. When we first see him in class, he's drawing all over his paper. Odd, considering that he's placed his graduation hopes on this one test. Thanks to the song, he can correctly answer two whole questions, but then doesn't answer anymore. And he knows he didn't answer anymore. What I'm driving at is this. Does Puck already know he's failed the test when the bell rings before he rejoins his friends? I think he does. There's a moment of realization and acceptance in Mark Sailing's demeanor in this scene. If so, that makes the scene after the test all the more poignant. He knows he's failed, but he still cherishes the help he got from his friends. I think Wayne's giving him too much credit
0: in that paragraph.
1: I don't know. There's a moment like where the bell rings and Puck nods. Puck's like, "Okay," and it is an ex- it's a moment of acceptance. But I don't know if it's I did this or I I failed it, it's, but it's okay.
0: I think it's neither of those. I think it's okay. This is out of my hands now. I don't have like yeah. I, there's nothing more I can do.
1: Yeah,
0: I can see that. They really want someone to come outside.
1: Oh, fucking car horn. Um, uh, that's got to be really annoying. Oh it's Just, done. Okay. okay. I'll keep going. The Beast story is the hardest part of this episode to process. It certainly doesn't end the way we want it to or expect it to, but that may be the whole point to it. Either way, this is a gorgeous song, starting with a completely a cappella intro by Naya Rivera, and eventually getting around to the ver- some very nice harmonizing by the five girls. As for what happens between Boost Beast and Cooter, I will refrain from commenting simply because I don't know what to say. There's a first. Great silent acting by Dot Marie Jones, though. I still wish she'd come back to Glee. Under happier circumstances. Wait, 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 wait! Hold up! Pump those brakes! Now the plan for is for Kurt and Finn to go to New York without Rachel. How does this make any sense? Finn, as far as I know, has made zero plans for New York, other than saying, "Duh, I won't go to New York." <laughs> if Rachel doesn't get into Yada, shouldn't she and Finn make some new Plan B, which involves both of them? If I were Finn, I'd see about getting some money from my mom or stepdad and financing that pool cleaning business with Puck in Los Angeles. The door hasn't closed on this option, Finn. Um, yes, it has, because Finn wants to be an actor. Right, right, He's we learned that. He's already
0: yes. applied to inside the actor studio.
1: Right. So we'll see if he gets inside the actor's, the actor's studio. studio. <laughs> God bless you, Glee. You could have gone out with Rachel singing Everybody Hurts by R.E.M., but you didn't. <sighs> Instead, you had her sing a song called Cry by Kelly Clarkson. That's a there's a much, much, much better song called Cry, which has been recorded by a bunch of people, most famously by Johnny Ray. But even better than that would have been a parody of that song called Try by Stan Freeberg. I know I'm getting into obscure territory here, but I'd love it for Glee to do Stan's song. The lyrics are perfect for Rachel's situation. If you're happy and your eyes are always dry, don't you, do, don't you know that it's the thing to sob and sigh? Singers do it, crowds do it, even little white clouds do it. You too can be unhappy if you try. Don't you know nobody laughs it up no more? If your heart ain't broken, you don't know the score, and so on and so on. Great song, easily findable on YouTube. Great montage of failure and depression at the end, culminating in a terrific final shot of Leah and Michelle panting and sobbing until the camera gets embarrassed and looks away. How I ask you, is this the worst episode ever? Next week, prom schmam. I'm not in the mood. <laughs> so that was choke. I've watched it twice, and I still stand by this as being one of the better episodes of season three. The A.V. Club, interestingly, praised both the Spanish teacher and Saturday Night Cleaver, both of which I would rank near the bottom. Those two episodes, in fact, almost made me give up on Glee because I was so bored by them. This episode, at the very least, kept me focused for the entire hour and invested in what was happening on screen. Even if I didn't agree with it, I think that's significant. I think that's a step forward for the series. The show can't be all sunshine and lights and dreams coming true. You need something like Choke or Funeral to bring these characters crashing back down to Earth. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll have to prepare for my Neata audition. Carmen Thibodeau has become very impatient waiting for me to finish this email. Just a sec, Carney. Just got to sign off. Yours most gleefully, Wayne Kotke. P.S. Oh, he gave us the P.S. Did you read it? Um, yes. Okay. I can do that. Okay. Yes, Wayne. Yes to your P.S. Do uh, you, you want to tell everybody else what he asked? Oh, he, he added a would it be possible to end the episode with He Hit Me and It Felt Like a Kiss, which is the, the song he referred to earlier about domestic violence. Um, to keep it contemporary, he even sent us a um, cover version of it by Grizzly Bear. Grizzly Bear. band. <laughs> okay. It's a band called Grizzly Bear. I don't know who they are. <laughs> Thank you, Wayne, who you can find at d2rights.blogspot.com. So so a very intense episode this week. Very intense. We had feuds. We had car horns. Um,
0: yeah. I feel like for the most part, I,
1: well, I guess our email
0: was, our, our feedback was split. Yes, I would say. Which we were too, so that works.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and it's, it seems like this week, though, I'm very in tune with Wayne on a lot of the stuff. Yes. Um and then I mean actually with I think was it was it Helene? I agreed with a lot with what she said. Just that overall I think I just like the episode more than a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um but we'll see what happens at prom. We shall see. And we've got two more episodes of Smash left. Woohoo. Tomorrow I think um Uma Thurman gets like poisoned by a peanut allergy. So that's gonna be fun. Oh, fun. Because like the, the preview for Smash is like, somebody poisoned her, get a doctor. I'm like peanuts. It's peanuts. It's gotta be peanuts. That will be fun. Uh, if you want to find us, Erica, what do they do? Um, they could search for our GleeCast group on Facebook. They could. They
0: could follow us on Twitter, which I don't use as much anymore, but you can find me at Erica's Nits.
1: You can find and Emily. At Dolls. Um, and I you would could. say you can go read my blog. However, at the moment, um, if you go, you'll get a warning telling you that it will kill your computer. It won't. Um, but until further notice, I will keep you posted on that.
0: Um, and you can send us feedback to GleeCast. That's G L E E K A S T at gmail dot com. Indeed. Uh, okay, folks. Other than happy. that, we'll uh happy sync six- de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo, and uh, <coughs> we'll talk to you next week. Later. Bye.